we are live on a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, traveling across <laughs> Scotland through the frozen hinterlands of the north, enjoying myself a 50th anniversary with my parents. And it was absolutely lovely. Nice to see them. I haven't seen them really hardly at all since COVID. So it was... Uh, Really good to catch up with family. Well, Hello, everyone. Congrats to them. That's a that's fifty years. That's a huge yeah, fifty one. years. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah, it's like yeah, um, yeah. Massive I'm, I'm not feeling old. Um, I've got thirty years before I come to my fiftieth anniversary. So, hmm. what was <laughs> your birthday fairly recent? My birthday yeah. is going to come on the next stream. It will be my stream birthday. In fact, why don't we, uh, while we're gathering everybody together, why don't we decide what we'll do for the next one now? Somewhat now? rarely for this Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this Sunday, it's going to be effectively my birthday stream because it'll be my birthday just before it. So um, I say that I'm going to choose the three topics this week that will drop out um, and uh, we'll do a big vote and I might ignore it. Because hey, it's my birthday. I think that's completely <laughs> fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> the only thing I'm going to say is, of the three topics that I will choose, one of them most definitely won't be guilt because he can burn in molten metal. We all know that won't happen. But he shoots anyway. <laughs> we, we, we already have him slotted for nightmare stuff later. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, okay then. Great. So, um, real quick before we get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome. 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 Great to see you all. Uh, please, if you can, make sure to smack the like button and all that crap before we get going. Go check out uh, Lawhammer. There's some really good stuff. I I have thoughts for Andy from not the <laughs> Alamena with episode, but the one before that. I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it yet, but I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> Every, the wizards are everywhere. Everyone's a witch. But anyway, um, so we're going to not talk about that because we're today we're talking about Lord Scroke, the disease that walks one of my favorite characters uh, in. Uh, <laughs> it should have been on your bingo card. Should have been, shouldn't it? Thanks very much, uh, Biofoot. And hey, CB4N. Uh, thank uh, you very much. Uh, we had an absolutely marvelous time. A lovely restaurant meal. Gifts were given and I gave them a... Uh, uh, a picture of the lighthouse where we grew up as uh, golden memories, since that's where, well, they raised me. It was really nice. But anyway, we don't need to worry about that. And it's not going to be Gelt Sunday because screw that guy. Yeah. Right, moving on nicely. <laughs> yeah. So Lord Skrulk, uh, often under the moniker of the disease that walks the big bad of Clan Pestilence. That's playable anyway. Uh, he is the strongest of the seven plague lords of Clan Pestilence with Nurglitch, of course, being the arch plague lord who sits above them. Uh, Nurglitch the seventh seems that clan pestilence has a lot of sevens going on in the modern age mm. but uh which is interesting but uh <laughs> they got they got, they're up to things but um as far as kind of a very brief overview before we kind of start breaking down his history and character lord scroll is very interesting from kind of an outside perspective because when considering kind of the named characters for each of the great clans where you've got Ikit claw for clan scryer and you've got Deathmaster snitch over in eshin and then uh, uh, Throth the Unclean for Clan Mulder. And then, you, of course, you got the Warlord clans with Quick Headtaker and stuff. A lot of them are fairly well-explored characters. But Skrulk is actually kind of mysterious. Uh, he is a character who has been around for a 
really long time. Um, at least I think since sixth edition, maybe before then. Nope, he was um, around since uh Skaven Armulus, so fourth edition. Yeah, so very, very old character. Yeah, very but, old character. Uh, he's kind of got copy pasted a lot uh into mm-hmm. later editions. They usually didn't innovate a ton on him. That being said, there is a surprising amount of things that we'll be able to discuss kind of around him. Uh, as well as he did very luckily before the Warhammer world blew up, he suddenly sort of jumped into main character territory and showed up in a lot of black library novels. Uh, he featured very heavily in the Thinkle and Bone Ripper trilogy. And he also played as one of the main villains of part four of the end times, which gave him a lot of screen time, which was a kind of a surprise compared to some of the other characters they could have gone with. So before we do all that, I think it's worth, uh, Andy, if you have any thoughts or uh, words to say about Skrull as far as where he started developmentally wise and kind of came along in the years. Yeah, I do. Um, but before I go, I would just like to say that unlike Gelt, I kind of adore Skrulk. Um, I've long adored Skrulk as a character, largely because when I first did my... I wouldn't say it was my first Skaven army, but it was my first big Skaven army, all the way back for the fourth edition of Warhammer. Lord Skrulk was the character that I chose to lead it. Um, so that miniature, the old Lord Scrolp miniature holding his book and his big plague sensor bear, bear, bear. I don't think he ever got a new mini. I think that was just uh, his mini for uh, all the, time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they end up using that model as a plague priest and a variety of other things in various productions. If, for example, you go to Lustrio book, you'll find the old Scrolk miniature being used just for a plague priest in there. Um, but I've painted that miniature about seven, eight times at least. Um, <laughs> I At least. Um, and I really dig the character, which is one of the reasons why I'm going to find today particularly fascinating, because uh, it's a character that all the way back in 4th edition um, Warhammer for the first Skaven Army list which it's released got a good bit of meaty detail. It was quite nice. A lovely representation of Clan Pestilence. So here's Clan Pestilence, and here's the character that represents him. The same way that Ickit Claw did the same thing, as was already discussed um, by Sotek there. But... Unlike all the other characters, as time wore on and opportunities were presented to add a great deal more detail about Skrulk, they kind of didn't. Um, and it's really fascinating to see how the other Skaven characters have had a great deal of extra depth added. But Skrulk, by comparison, as has been noted, has been uplifted, copy-pasted, uplifted, copy-pasted, with maybe a couple of extra details. If, for example, we go to, I think it was the 7th edition army list for the Skaven. He's not even given a, a card sheet. It's just a quick paragraph. Oh, yeah, Lord Skrulk exists. Yeah, he's definitely out there. He's a thing. No stats. No, 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 no he's, he's in the book. He's in the book. And seventh, I don't think he has for seventh. He has an eighth. Uh, Skaven, did, Skaven did not get an eighth book. Okay, so then the one before you're, that, you're thinking six. six. I'm thinking yeah. six. Get my he wrong. Got, he got cut out of six. six. Yeah. He got he got himself just a paragraph in six which was um, a copy-paste some of the bits with a couple of little details here and there, then done. Then we came to the last edition, and he got his character back again. And again, a lot of the details were copy-pasted and lifted out. I think it was Jeremy Vettick that wrote that one, as I recall. Um, there's a couple of extra details added, or just rewordings. It's almost a little bit like a, an early chat GPT variation of Skrulk, in that it was a rewording of something that had already been out there. Um, and you look at it and go, that's pretty much nothing new at all. And whilst he did pop up here or there in a book or two, we don't have a lot, but we do have a lot of important details. Little hmm. things like Skrulk 
was responsible for spreading disease and bringing down entire civilizations, including entire cities which were destroyed by him. And that poses questions. So he's responsible for diseasing up at least one, if not two, civilizations in the Warhammer world. And he was responsible for wiping out entire cities worth of people with the diseases he's unleashed. And that does pose the question, which one? Yeah. Where and when? Because we have a lot of timelines. And those timelines give us quite a few Skaven unleashings without any specific details. So we can start to pick apart the story of Skrulk if we look between the lines. Yep. Please don't do this. But uh, if you do, please don't send it to us. <laughs> Holy crap! Um, two, two wizards, <laughs> one mask. Uh, and uh, Hammond, thank you for... Uh, what Holy what crap! Would do, what would we do without you and the <laughs> Kree-Skrulk war? <laughs> the Kree-Skrulk war. Quite. So I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go with this one because I imagine we're both going to have various ideas for where Skrulk may have been, where he definitely was, and even simple stuff like, how fucking old is he in the first place? Yeah. Because, because it's not detailed. Yeah, so Skrulk, all they say is he's ancient. That's all we get. <laughs> he's ancient. He's been around for... they. The one hint they do give is that he's considered ancient even by the standards of other Skaven who have lived for a really long time. Which other Skaven, like uh, Iggy Claw is a good example, have lived for hundreds of years. Like Iggy yeah. Claw has been around since before Asvar Cool and that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's reasonable to assume that Skrulk is probably at least 500 years old, but yeah. could be a lot older. He could be way older. I mean, if we think just looking at Nurglitch, there have only been seven Nurglitches. And yeah. that Clan Pestilence has a goofy little Pope thing they do where if you get to be Arch Plague Lord, you immediately become Nurglitch. Um, and it, it seems it's more almost of a title as opposed to an actual name. Yes. Uh, because there's there's mention uh, of there being like a Nurglitch Poxifus or something, which was one of the Nurgliches back in Lustria. But in any event, uh, there have been First seven... Thing, you also get the character sheet for the first Nurglitch um, yeah, inside the Lustria campaign book, which is uh, worth just having a look at so you can compare and contrast. Um, but yeah, we do have some details, though, about his beginnings because they just basically copy-pasted his very first beginnings again and again and again, and that is that in his humble origins, he was a plague priest. Now, the fact that he started as a plague priest immediately allows you to start dating things. That means Clan Pestilens is Clan Pestilens. It's hmm. not the original uh, name that that clan went under. It is the clan that has undergone a completely new process as it moved to Lustria and changed itself, became something new. And that also dates it to approximately any time after around about the time of Sigmar. Um, so he's probably <laughs> yeah, not... We, we narrowed it. We narrowed yeah, we've it narrowed it down already. He's not older than 2,500 years old. Good start. Um, we also know that he did one thing as a plague priest. Um, very early in his life, he came to the feet of Nurglitch. Doesn't say which one. Could have been the first one. Mm -hmm. And the unholy aura of Nurglitch was enough that he plucked out his own eyes before him, screeching away, 
tearing at his eyes. Um, and remember, he's a religious figure, so you've also got that slight undercurrent that because, you know, he's religious, there could be some sort of searage going on here. Pulls out all of his eyes so that he'll never see anything but Nurglitch ever again. The last thing he will ever see will be the unholy awesomeness that is the leader of all clan pestilence. Yeah. Gouge, which... gouge, gouge. And then, and then not a lot in terms of what happened next. Yeah, but there, there's a couple of interesting things to touch on there, which uh, I don't think he's Skavor. I think we figured out who Skavor is, in my opinion. Go watch our last stream. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll see about that uh, theory. But uh, Hammond, uh, we don't, we don't, Skaven don't keep receipts. Skaven <laughs> 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 never save their receipts. Uh, Jonathan, uh, yes, thank you for the, I am not going to accept food from Skrulk. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll, accept the, I'll accept the tip. Yes, yes. Skrulk, children, children. I imagine Skrulk's voice is much deeper and lower and rounder. If you're going to uh, his Total War voice actor is fantastic. Like, he, I'll be, I'll I've not heard it yet, so I need he to hear that because sick. I love Skrulk. He sounds very sick and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, You need to be coughing and racking and pulling up all the flame. From yeah, he doesn't sound good, like in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> but love it. What what's what's interesting uh, with what Andy talked about there is already there's two big weird red flags, which is that a we don't know which Nurglitch Skrulk saw, but as a humble place he came across them, and there's only seven Nurglitches, which yep. across two thousand five hundred years, that's a really long time for only seven guys named Nurglitch. That means yeah. every Nurglitch has probably lived, and and that's actually. The first Nurglitch was a hundred years before Sigmar was born because he was doing the whole war against the Tehinuin stuff. So that's actually like 2,600 years yeah. with only seven guys. So Nurgliches live a really fucking long time, apparently. Yeah, that, that to me is very odd. It seems a mixture of conflicting lore types and people who are doing the writing, not necessarily thinking everything through. Because, for example, we know that those who have touched the Great Pillar... Now, if you don't know your Skaven lore, approximately 200 and about 10 years before the destruction of the... 220 years before the destruction of the world, during the Great War Against Chaos, when the, to end the Great Civil War between all the Skaven... Pretty much the horned rat turns up after a great summoning. We won't go into the details here. This is not important to the overall story, but it's important to one thing about Skaven. Drops an enormous pillar down amongst them all, made of warp stone, obs with 13 sides, obs filled with rules and commandments. And to serve on the Council of 13, you got to touch this fucker. And it kills pretty much anything that touches it. Which means that you become blessed by the horned rat when you touch this. That is what grants those that have touched it their long life. In particular, those who've touched that, the great lords of decay of the Skaven, become something much more than they were before. And they have lived those lot for at least the last 200 and odd years until the end of the world. They're super special. They touch it. They survive. They live for a long time. Others that live for a long time need a damn good fucking reason for it because Skaven don't live long. Now, there are hmm. examples of many Skaven who have because they've used sorcery science or they've used some crazy Skaven contraption or whatever. Yeah, Clan Spryer has like a whole long life elixir they perfected a really fucking long time ago. But because Clan Spryer rocks. Um, but <laughs> we clearly don't have something that is um, the same here, but we must. So there's been... Uh, 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 basically a, a big hole written into the rules here 
with a quick why, 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 why. Not only are the Nurglitches really long in terms of their lifespans, but so is Skrok, one of their most famous plague priests, and one would presume off that, maybe others too. So those that are in Clan Pestilence, it looks like they have picked up quite a lot of the old as long as that I don't die, I kind of don't die if I'm a plague priest. It's yeah, a which, real quick, Mortimer, hello. Thank you for being here. I saw your artwork that you sent to me and Andy on Twitter of Lord Skrulk. It looks absolutely amazing. Thanks for doing oh, that. Oh, I missed that. Holy shit, <laughs> balls. Look at it. I'm going to go look at that while you while, uh, you go and discuss awesome shit. Yeah, and uh, Mr. Pig, quick question uh, I thought of. Does a new Nurglitch get a name as soon as the previous one passes away, or is the, is there times without one? I would guess, uh, based on, we're going to get into some stuff, and I'll explain why this. I think this is in a second, but it's probably when someone kills the old Nurglitch. Yeah, um, I am see. very suspicious that Nurgliches probably do not die through normal means, um, which we'll get into in a second. So, which I'm going to do right now. So, um, <laughs> as Andy kind of stated, Skaven, for the record, Skaven are lucky generally if they make it to like three years old, five years old, they'll die of old age by like 10 without some sort of outside interference. Um, <laughs> Skaven are very not long, not they, they don't live a long time at all. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, one of the things so Clan Pestilence figured out a way to live for incredible lengths of time. Like someone in chat thankfully did the math, but if you were to split the timeline of Clan Pestilence existing between all seven Nurglitches, you're averaging somewhere in the ballpark of three to 400 years for each Nurglitch. Uh, we know that Nurglitch the seventh has at least been alive for uh, a little over 200 years because he touched the Black Pillar during, at the end of the Second Civil War. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, And importantly, survived which suggests hmm. something that we are, are going to be discussing later is going to be very difficult to be the case. But we'll get onto that yeah. later. This is foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure a, a, a professional GM wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what's really interesting is when looking at ways to live a really long time and you do not have... Um, let's say, an easy-to-go solution. Like Andy kind of mentioned, there are two go-tos uh, in the general gist of Warhammer Fantasy, which is magic or mm -hmm. divine assistance. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting about Clan Pestilence is that they sit at a perfect crux between those two positions. Because one thing we kind of mentioned with Skrulk, and what makes Skrulk such a fascinating character, is that a lot of Skaven... Um, you may kind of get the idea kind of looking at them or listening to their voice lines that, oh, these guys are very, very religious and they're very good about following their religion. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very opportunistic followers of faith is a good way to put it. Uh, they are as often, they tend to beseech the horned rat and offer him praise almost as often as they curse him, uh, if they're feeling brave enough to do so. And how religious a Skaven is actually comes up a lot in stories about them where it's pretty rare to have a Skaven that's genuinely fanatical towards the Great Horned Rat, even among, like, the Gracer clan, who are technically supposed to be as Terrified of him. Yeah, they're scared of him, terrified yeah. of him. But, like, love him or, like, really fervently work, like, willing to lay their lives down in order to do what's best for the Great Horned Rat? Eh, not as much, <laughs> depending on the rat. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of them don't. Like, most of them... If they had the opportunity to take advantage of someone else's fanaticism uh, to further their own ends, they will. Skrulk is unique. 
Skrulk had no idea, no assurance, no anything that by ripping out his eyes, he was going to have some kind of failsafe program. He was so devout and so genuinely like inspired by Clan Pestilence's interpretation of the Great Horned Rat bringing ruination through the process of disease, which is a Clan Pestilence had a very unique experience with that. It does fit the Great Horned Rat. The Great Horned Rat is about ruining, about mm -hmm. ruination in all its forms. Disease is simply another way to achieve that was kind of the epiphany that they had. I'd add a little bit there just to make sure that we do it. It's not just about ruination. That's part mm. of a process. Basically, what they're doing is they're terraforming. Now, I know this is going really beyond the scope of what we'd normally use we for a fantasy inherit. language, but that's the whole point of their we shall inherit. They are pretty much terraforming the world to be good for Skaven, which currently it kind of isn't. Ruin the entire world and then rise up from the depths and take over it. That is what the Skaven are doing. And one route towards that ruination is disease, death, disease, and the disaster that follows with that. There are other routes, just going to war. That's where the Warlord clans get their shtick from. And as we know from the other clans, there are some other, perhaps, crazier routes as well. But the, the core of it is ruination. Um, and before I kick back again, I'm going to say one other thing here that's worth making very, very clear. The Skaven are not a monolithic culture. This is yeah. something that is often done very wrong in the computer games and sometimes in the novels as well, where they make all Skaven basically the same. They make them all often mad sorcerer scientists, regardless of their clan. Now, that's not always the case, but particularly for computer games, that often is the case, where it's just, it's the glowing green crazy guys with all the crazy tech. Make everything go boom and we laugh at them. Ho, ho, ho where the Skaven themselves aren't that. They're a whole variety of different clans, all of which have got their own versions of faith, all of which have got their own history, all of which have got their own stories, all of which have got their own drives, needs, hopes, and fears, whether that's what sort of breeding rights they can secure when they're in Skaven blight, whether that's what sort of trade rights they can secure, because these are proper cultures. Don't just think of them as crazy lunatics running around stabbing each other in the back. They're not. They have a plan. That plan was put in place by the Horned Rat 200 years ago. A massive plan to take over the world. Before that, they weren't, as we consider it, a faction. They were multiple factions, all mm. at war with each other, and had been for some, what, two, three thousand, uh, four hundred years, something like that? And the Horned Rat pulled them together, allowing you to get a single army list instead of 40 army lists. Because if it wasn't for that, you'd end up with a Pestilence army list, a Skyr army list, because much like Bretonia and the Empire are two factions of humans that don't work together because they've got their own political basis, it's exactly the same for the Skaven clans. They are not army list human. Hammond, you joke, but I, I wonder that myself sometimes. <laughs> they got strong genes over there. We do. Um, <laughs> the, the, the genes are strong, that much is certain. So um, uh, all of that is to say that as we're looking at this, um, Lord Skrulk is a really good example of a Skaven who is not like the standard stereotype we're all used to because he is devout. He is singular in his purpose and he is, along with that, working towards the great plan of the Horned Rat as well. Indeed, his devotion is a part of that. 
And what happens yeah. in Skaven Blight 200 and a bit years ago when good old Horned Rat comes down, changes his life too. Yeah, so um, looking at his devotion, I really do want to like quadruple come down on and emphasize that like even for the most religious factions in Warhammer Fantasy, just any race that you could possibly think of, the idea of seeing a guy, it's not like he's seeing the god, he's not seeing the Great Horn Rat himself, just seeing Nurglich, but seeing Nurglich as such a holy entity that has all these crazy diseases and boils and boobos and open sores and all this stuff. Skrulk went, this is the greatest thing I'm ever going to see in my life. I will never top this moment. Don't need these anymore. And he rips his own eyes out. And uh, to put it kind of simply, he gets deeply rewarded in this moment by not Nurglich, the great horned rat himself. Yeah. His God literally reaches down and basically bonks him on the head and turns him into an oracle a genuine oracle that Skrulk has the most insane version of sight in warhammer fantasy because he doesn't see like everybody else does where like you'll have people that are like oh i can see the winds of magic or mm -hmm. i can see based on like echolocation or whatever bullshit what weird stuff or i could see souls Skrulk's vision comes from his own disease and decay radiating out around him and interacting with reality so he has this super bizarre form of vision that is actually so accurate that it makes him even from a skaven standard superhuman of that nothing sneaks past stroke literally nothing even though his senses by all rights because of his various diseases should be completely ruined um but they're not he is in, like, you know, he's hundreds and hundreds of years old, if not thousands of years old, which we'll get into in a second. But he also has this incredible ability that because the rot that radiates him is divine, in a sense, he can sense the winds of magic. He can sense things that are invisible. He can sense anything that's living or dead. He can sense there is. Nothing that could sneak up on him. There's an excellent portrayal of him in the second uh, Thankful and Bone River book where these group of Clan Ashen assassins who are like the best there is, um, they, you know, they have their scent glands removed. They don't get off scents. They use special materials so that they're invisible to the eye and they move in really special ways and they have magical shenanigans. They try and sneak up on Skrulk and like at 50 yards away, he already knows they're there. Like mm -hmm. he doesn't have to react to it and he completely obliterates them with through some fun shenanigans we'll get into when we talk about his specific diseases um but he he's a nightmare he's a genuine nightmare because his form of vision is so unique like anywhere you look i mean even if you're looking at other oracle characters which oracles are all blind generally in warhammer fantasy uh, if you're like an actual oracle yeah. um but uh no 100% consistent I, I will say but it is common Yes, it is. It is very common. Uh, it's mm -hmm. it's unusual to see them with their eyes. Like even the yep. skink oracles don't have eyes. They have helmets mm -hmm. that completely block their eyes out. And they yep. ride troglodons, which don't have eyes. <laughs> it's a very running theme. Um, but so that is a level of fanaticism we're dealing with. And his God is directly interacting with him, um, which I find really fascinating, particularly because when we're looking at like priests, um, for other races, generally speaking, they're just wizards. 
like they, they're called priests, but most of the time they're they're wizards that uh, they kind of interact with the winds of magic more akin to a wizard than like a human priest. But Skrull yep. kind of doesn't like he's almost more of a priest. Like he is a wizard, which we'll get yes. into later. But he's he also almost has that level of priestly interaction with the great horned rat that like a human does with the likes of Ulrich or Sigmar, which is yeah. super weird. Yeah, 100% agreed. And I find this to be one of the better aspects of Skrulk as, as a character. There is clearly a little bit more going on here. He has been touched, he has been rewarded, and he has received gifts because of this. I think it's also, I, I think it'd be almost fair to say that given his nature, um, that it's quite likely that it was the first Nurglitch that he laid his hands, uh, he laid his eyes upon. I would agree. Um, and the reason that I would suggest that, and perhaps we've already had an agreement on this side, is because it was such a defining moment. Um, and the second one would be, by its very nature, somewhat less defining. It is the first one. It is the instigator. It is the rat who has made all of the enormous sacrifices and made all of the extraordinary steps to realize the truth of the horned rat through a different expression of faith. In this case, through disease. And Skrulk goes, yes. Now, if Skrulk was already going to do this, there's a certain level of if it's the second one, why tear your eyes out? Really, what did he see that was special that he wouldn't have seen before? I mean, you could argue he was young. There's all manner of stuff. But I think if we're looking to build the archetypical stories, which Warhammer often does, you're almost certainly looking at a character who's something like this. He saw the first Nurglitch. He was like, yes, this is exactly how we move forwards. He tears his eyes out, and then he, in turn, refuses to ever become Nurglitch. Because as far as he's concerned, there's only ever one. Plague Priest right up the top, sure. But there has to be a reason why for centuries there has been an enormous amount of influence from him, but somehow he has never reached the top of the clan. And you need to build a story to make sense of that. Okay. I'm, liking, I'm liking the ooh of this yeah, side. Yeah, I just, I, that, that was a eureka moment for me. That's another huge point for Skrulk is fucking weird. Because Skaven, advancement, all that matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the hell you're talking about. You're talking about all the Gracers. All they're all trying to do is be the best Gracier, the most powerful Gracier, the Warlords, the Council of 13. Mm -hmm. Every single Skaven in existence is in the rat race to get to the top. Except for Skrulk. Yeah. He's um because he, he's he, that he devout. Got, he's got religion, man. Yeah, it's um, not about him. Yeah, it's not about him. It's about doing what the horned rat, doing what Nurglitch thought was the correct path forward um and he does not crave leadership in the same way that most Skaven do because if he had have done he'd already have it he would be the one that's sitting on the council of 13 right now and i would argue i'm going to make an argument here for something that's to come he's already been on the council of 13 in fact Ooh, i'm going to say I... that i'm going to say that he almost certainly has because they went to war for, uh, over the Council of Thirteen, before they came down and slammed the pillar down, and a full four positions were held by Clan Pestilence. Four positions in the Council of Thirteen, 
and some of them backed out as part of the deals that they made. So I think that there's a strong likelihood he's already been up there. He might be onto something. Yeah, because we're looking here, and this is an archetypical character of all Skaven. If we're looking at a character who represents the top right down to the bottom, these are the sort of stories that we should be talking about. So it seems to me very likely. That's, Fuck you. That, that, That's that, all I'm saying that, to that. Claw, not guilt. <laughs> they both blew themselves up. It's it's those two. Yeah, totally. Hey, Brian. Oh, oh Jesus. Thank you, Brian. Very generous. Just the smiley face. Thank you. You are you are the <laughs> horned you rat. No, you're not the horned rat. You're great. Oh, oh <laughs> If if you're into that, if you're into that, you're the horned rat. If not, we take it back. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm fully aware that's a spicy take, and I'm fully aware that that is not strongly suggested by the background. But what is suggested by the background is that Clan Pestilence was at war with the rest of the Skaven clans for most of its existence, except for the last 200 years, really. There's periods over the last thousand where they've been in and out of favour. But after all the great failures of the diseases around about 1,500 years ago, approximately, they fell massively out of favour and they lost their positions in the Council of 13. It wasn't just through combat. They literally withdrew. Um, and that being the case, it would not surprise me if not only that Skrulk was once on the Council of 13, that he was possibly the one that released the Black Plague. Yes. Okay. So for everyone that's listening, that's maybe not familiar with the timeline, I'm going to give mm. a super brief rundown of like kind of important highlights because we're going to be touching on them a lot. Oh, yeah. Is that, uh, generally speaking, 100 years, uh, actually more like 200 years before, um, Sigmar's born, Clan Pestilence went to Lustria. They somehow found tunnels that... Uh, after the Doomsday Engine almost wiped out Skaven Blight, uh, it made a bunch of cracks underneath the Earth, and they followed some of those cracks all the way to Lustria, underneath the ocean. Um, and they set up in Lustria. It didn't go well. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of horrible diseases because the Lizardmen turned Lustria into a literal hellscape, and they got super diseased, and they were like a normal Skaven clan. Like, they had red ogres and a bunch of other normal stuff, um, but they got super duper sick, and most of them died. Uh, but mm -hmm. those that survived in their disease, they had an epiphany where they realized they could embrace the horned rat through this new form of worship being mm -hmm. disease. And by doing so, they turned to faith and it basically provided them with a form of armor, in a sense, where the diseases strengthened them instead of weakening them. And they grew in power. Uh, they fought a big war against the Lizardmen for over 100 years. They end up losing the war because of uh, Tehenuin and Sotek, and they bust out and run away back across the ocean, arrive in the Southlands, and yeah. because that's the tunnel that they took. When they get to the Southlands, Nurglitch I um, leads, he basically goes, hey, we're back, and all the others came and go, who the fuck are these guys? Because nobody's heard from them in centuries. And he starts a rampage through the Southlands towards Skaven Blight because he basically says, hey, guess what? I'm stronger than you guys, so I'm going to kick your asses because I have all these diseases and I can make diseases that hurt you and not us. So he, Clan Pestilence, shows up out of nowhere and against all the Warlord clans, Clan Skrier, Clan Mulder, Clan Ashen hasn't arrived yet, uh, but against all these other clans, he single-handedly says, we're, we're going to fight you guys and all the Graceers, and he almost wins. Yep. Like, Clan Pestilence, who is lost against the Lizardmen and had to completely move their headquarters to the Southlands, they, by all its, you know, intents and purposes, should be on their last leg. No, they come in and just start, because disease is just that scary. It's that mm -hmm. powerful. 
of a weapon. And they almost take over, uh, they almost win the fight for Skaven Blight. Just so we get an idea, it's about four or five hundred years worth of civil war amongst the Skaven. It's a long time. Yep. And uh, what happens is that luckily for Skaven Blight, Clanation comes back. And Clanation turns the war because they start assassinating all the plague priests. And Nurglitch mm -hmm. goes, uh oh. Uh, so uh, Nurglitch fights his way to Skaven Blight, surviving lots of assassinations. And he basically says, tell you what, you should let me on the council. And they say, why? And he says, because I brought this disease with me. And if I drop this, everyone in this room is going to die. <laughs> and they went, okay. And then he <laughs> duels a current member. He kills that member in a duel, uh, which is the old way they used to handle it. And he becomes, uh, the, I believe he claims the seventh seat. Seventh uh, seat at that point. I think it's yes. seventh. Yeah, it is, because yeah. they eventually advance to the 10th seat. Yes, um, they do. But, uh, and then they join, and then they were like, okay, the war's over, only for uh, Clan Pestilence to get stronger and stronger and stronger, because they start working with all these other groups. And then the Black Plague incident happens, which is the Skaven Unleashed the Black Plague. It's awful. It kills ten, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. The Empire... Yeah, like, the Empire falls, pretty much. Yeah, the Empire, by all in, in, intents Okay, so again, let's uh, just drop in a little bit of timeline. This is 1111. Yeah. Okay, so we're sitting around about 1,100 years after Sigmar now. So uh, the Emperor at the moment is Boris Goldgatherer, and I think you get an idea of how bad he was um, just by his name. And the Black Plague hits, and it doesn't just wipe out. In fact, it does more than just wipe out um, the Empire. The Skaven then go to war with them and take pretty much every single city. There's lovely bits describing how Ubersreich was basically a large rat warring, how Nuln had completely fallen, how Altdorf was a shadow of itself. Remember, Altdorf at this size was not the capital we know and love today. It was a far smaller city. The only place that truly held out was Middenheim. Yes, and this is where we get the legendary Mandrid Skaven Slayer. Uh, one of the or Rat Slayer, as he came to be known. Yeah, he got slandered with time. Uh, <laughs> awesome Emperor. Genuinely a kick-ass Emperor. He's also really depressing. Uh, his story is really sad. But uh, he That's for another stream. Yeah, he, eventually, uh, he uses the Skaven's own idiocy against themselves because they do their classic thing of they almost win and they start infighting. Uh, and amongst their infighting, something weird happens, which is that the Black Plague... Somebody fucks with it, um, which if you read the Black Plague trilogy, it kind of reveals who it is. Uh, it ends up starting to infect other Skaven. So yeah. suddenly this horrible disease that was supposed to not hurt the Skaven does. And at this point, Clan Pestilence has four seats on the council. They're mm -hmm. they are unstoppable. Um, the Graciers are terrified at the the because uh, religiously, the Graciers and the Plague Police do not get along. Their versions yeah. of the Great Horned Rat are not the same. They proselytize about two very different ideologies of what the Great Horn Rat is. So from a religious standpoint, they fight each other. Um, and Clan Pestilence was basically becoming preeminent. And then the Black Plague starts killing all the Skaven. And that goes really, really bad. The Empire rallies, kicks the shit out of them, forces them out. And all of Skavendom just descends into anarchy. Because everyone that was not Clan Pestilence turns to Clan Pestilence and go, you fucked up. This is your fault. And Clan Pestilence goes, well, we have four seats, so no. And the Council of 13 starts killing each other. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, there's also the Bretonian Red Pox incident, which is just another issue that they ha have to deal with. Cut a long story short, through the course of the next so many hundred years, it all goes very wrong for Camp Eklund, and they withdraw to a degree from their Council of Thirteen positions, except for Nurglich, um, which is the only one that's left um, extant. Uh, but it's fair to say that that's going to turn into complete civil war in short order. Yeah, and then 200 years ago, the Graciers realize Skavendom has just kind of been in a rut for hundreds of years, and they send off a big ritual. Some it's, it's, a, it's a bit more than a rut. They are literally slaughtering each other whole scale. It's yeah. a massive war. It would be a little bit like if the Empire had been at war with Britonia for the last 500 years, and it was just this bitter length of castles, murder, mayhem, and awfulness. And the Graciers didn't like this. Yeah, so... Uh, and I, I realize sounding this, you're going to go, I have questions, but we don't have time for it today because we're going to talk Indeed. about other stuff. We're scrolling. We're giving you yeah, a, a timeline so you understand what happens with the scroll. Yeah. The Great Horned Rat is literally summoned into existence. Um, mm -hmm. He eats a whole bunch of Skaven. It's kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. uh, and he drops, like Andy said, drops the 13-sided black pillar and says, anybody that touched this has my blessing. Peace out. And he leaves uh, after giving them some instructions. And the black pillar is carved with instructions. It has mm -hmm. the plan on it. Um, the, the, the mission of how they're going to do all their things. And the Council of 13 that is made that day is still the Council of 13 we have to this day, uh, yep. which very notably does not have any double seats, which used to be normal. It used to be very normal for one clan to have lots of seats. Now only every clan gets one seat, no matter how powerful they are, mm -hmm. um, which is very, very interesting. So, uh, we got a couple super chats. We need okay. to get real quick. start off with Jonathan at the top there. How did the other clans stop clan pestilence schemes? You know, that was the big question that has plagued Skaven existence for the last two to three thousand years, 2500, because they haven't been able to stop their schemes. That's the problem. Mm. You want to know how they did it? They summoned the horned fucking rat and said, Oi, stop. <laughs> they they called, they called mom. <laughs> Yeah, pretty like, much yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> player 97. Uh, quick question. Does the Great Horned Rat provide the same pain protection to his worshippers that Nurgle does? In, in a sense, yes. It's, it's more that they are given the ability to survive their disease. And because of what the disease does to their bodies, they kind of stop feeling a lot of things because their skin gets so thick and leathery. Their nerves right. start to kind of die. I have an opinion on this, um, and that is that they are two different gods. They have two different ways of doing it, but I would not say pain protection is the correct way of dealing with it. It's tolerance. Yeah, yeah, that's a very fair way to put it, yeah. Um, um, just because you can tolerate it doesn't mean that you can't suffer through the holy blessings of your God. Suffering and dealing with that suffering on both of them in different ways is a part of being a follower of that particular God. These diseases are to be reveled in, to be experienced, to be understood if you're in clan pestilence. Clan pestilence is all about understanding the diseases and how they can be used in order to fulfill the great plan. Not the great plan lizardman style, but the great plan nevertheless horned rat style. Yeah, the, the um, furry one. <laughs> where with Nurgle, it's had a literal blessing from their god and the despair that comes hand in hand with that and the acceptance that can come hand in hand with that in turn is a part of the experience. To say it's pain protection is a nice way of trying to look at it from the outside and saying, Nurgle's not that bad, right? Yeah, yeah fuck I, no. It's yeah. awful. 
what I will say as a pseudo counter to that is there are people that turn to Nurgle to get relief from disease, which he can offer. But what's interesting, the Horned Rat doesn't. That is not something the Great yeah. Horned Rat does, which kind of, once again, goes to show how fucking crazy Clan Pestilence is. And agreed in both counts, because that's one of the greatest recruiting tools of Nurgle, is um, someone falling to despair and then Papa Nurgle's sweet whispers coming out. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's why I would fall to Nurgle really fast. It would be really bad. <laughs> I, can, I can freely admit that about myself. Uh, you know, I can get you past this, but your life is going to be very, very different. Um, so, yeah. So, nice one. Thanks. Uh, yeah, and thank you. Yeah, thank you all very much for the super chats. We really appreciate it. I'm decide. Uh, disease is probably way more effective against the incredibly unorganized, unhygienic, and cramped Skaven Warrens than the Lizardmen. Also, hi again. You're not wrong. Uh, Clan Pestilence probably found the Skaven to be laughably easy to deal with during the first civil war, which is probably yeah. why they pretty much won it until they Clan dominated. Yeah, they, they massively dominated the First Civil War, and there's a reason for that. But I'll also add that uh, Skaven as a species are much more disease tolerant anyway, mm. um, for a variety of reasons, meaning that many of the things that would say, for example, bring down a human society would be laughably negligible to a Skaven society. Yeah, also, life is cheap in Skavendom. Like, oh, it really is. lost a thousand people to disease? Eh. Uh, indeed um they breed extraordinarily quickly they can turn over from being in a position of weakness to a position of strength in a matter of months to years so yes while simultaneously saying that it's not as much of an impediment as you might immediately think more like man dread <laughs> that's what the skaven probably called him <laughs> yeah man yeah. dread thing <laughs> yeah, totally. uh, Ricky Scotty, thank you very generous thank you very much uh, a bit behind. Sorry, this interrupts. Oh, please don't apologize for that. That's what we're here you for. Uh, yeah. Actually, okay. I have to take a brief second to say uh, we see the comments of people being like, "Oh, this format." Blah, 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 like they keep interrupting. To Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I say this lovingly, but it's a podcast where we're just hanging out and chatting. It's not it's like part a, of the fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not the a story I love time. most. Yeah, it's a dialogue. Totally. So you know, if you don't like it, deal with it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I've been wanting. To, I've been needing to say that. Is it all possible that Skrulk is a favorite of the Horned Rat and is made to be sold that he could faithfully push slash threaten Nurgliches to hardline the Horned Rat's plants? Yes. yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in many respects, I think that's one of the reasons why he's taking the shadowy vizier position rather than necessarily sitting on the council itself anymore, or indeed challenging Nurglich, because no, that would be ridiculous. Why would you challenge he who is responsible for putting the Horned Rat's plan into place? Yes, Grolk is, as we noted earlier in the stream, a little bit different. Yeah, Dirty, thank you very much. So, with Thanks all the timeline much. stuff that we kind of talked about out of the way, and uh, we caught on the Super Chats, now me mm -hmm. and Andy can go back to saying, how old does it look like Skrulk is because yeah. of everything that means he would have lived through? And I mm -hmm. agree with Andy wholeheartedly, Nurglitz the First makes the most sense. Because if you think about it, Nurglitch the First, compared to the other Nurgliches, which are much more political individuals, Nurglitch the First was a genuine warrior, he was mm -hmm. a prophet, and mm -hmm. he was an incredibly powerful spellcaster. Yeah. Um, like, he was going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tehinuin, and he survived that war. That's the thing. He didn't die in the fights against Tehinuin. He escaped, yep. um, which, you know, Skaven. But, uh, like, he literally rode around the battlefields on a great pox rat beating people to death with his big old mace thing and he was a nasty piece of work and it is very likely to me that he was not just like oh he's a because remember the council 13 there was no com pillar black 
back then it was yep. literally purely a political position that's all it was it, you didn't really get much out of it um other than like power but for he was very likely an avatar of the great horned rat this new embodiment of the great horned rat i don't know if i go as far as that um uh, because in some respects that almost diminishes him and makes the horned rat be responsible for many of his actions. Um, I, in fact, I think to make his story better, um, he figured it out for himself. He survived the worst that Lustria had to offer in terms of the diseases and the awfulness that they encountered. And he turned that Sorry. into not set. Not an avatar in the sense that like Anarian, like where his like mind is kind of messed up. I mean, more of like, He's in like terms an of embodiment. Like he's like yeah. an embodiment of plague. Like the horn juiced him up so much that looking at him, no other Nurglish could compare because yeah, none of them I agreed. were like um, him. And I'd say that those that followed him are basically following his plan, um, uh, his intent, what the horned rat is. I'm going to bring up in just a second, Meister, because the, the comment that you've brought up, I think, is super important for us to discuss. So I'm I'm holding it just for a second while we finish this point. Um, and that's that <clears throat> I think the first one defined the clan as a whole massively and is probably responsible for all of its successes for throughout all of the first campaigns, throughout going to war with the Skaven, throughout getting the Skaven to accept them for who they are. Your first real point of where Nurglitch may have died is probably when it all went wrong post the Black Plague. So he could have been as old as a good 1,400 or 500 years when he eventually died. Um, and then other ones came afterwards. I'm not aware of when his death happened. unless It's, it's, it's never been one. noted. Um, no, I didn't think so. Because I would, I would think that I would bet the first Nurglitch lived for a really long time. Yeah, and then when too. he died, they were like, oh, well, he was so important to us. Whoever takes over, must you must be the new Nurglitch. Like you are the yeah. reincarnation of his will, so to speak. But it's really just a political. Like Nurglitch the seventh, you know, he's a diseased, nasty guy, but he's not particularly yeah, like, whatever. Take the battlefield. He, like, yeah. he doesn't really proselytize a ton. He's more there to deal with Council 13 shenanigans. So Rulk is the one out there preaching, fighting dealing with shit so i'm going to bring this up now because i think um this is an important point this is um a fundamental not just to nurgle but to the warhammer world sorry if whole. you're listening instead of watching it says do we know nurgle's thoughts on the name nurglitch yeah i was just about to say that bit okay and the do we know his thoughts now obviously chaos gods don't have thoughts as we understand them mm. but i can answer this quite precisely because nurgle is named after disease his name literally is the definition of disease. It's a little bit like calling your god disease. Corn is bloodshed. Zinch is change. Um, Karneth, the root of corn, for example. Nurgleth, the root of Nurgle. Calling himself Nurglitch doesn't mean in any respect at all it has anything to do with the chaos god. It just means that they know the root tongue. The root tongue in the Warhammer world is the basis of the lingua prestantia, for example, or mm -hmm. um, um, which is the language used by wizards in the empire, or um, Anaquian, which is the language used by the elves to do the same. I pronounce that slightly wrong, but it's easier to pronounce it that way. Um, and all of these languages all have the same root, which you could argue is very close to demonic. 
and demonic is the language that's spoken by demons and spirits and a whole and bunch of gods. other things as well, and the gods, and it is the language of meaning, it is the word, it defines reality, and calling yourself Nurglitch is nothing more than saying something of disease in the core <laughs> tongue. It doesn't mean you worship Nurgle, it means that you understand the meaning of the word Nurglitch. Yeah, and to, to reinforce Andy's point further on that, um, in the Warhammer world, we use the names Zinchkorn, Nurgle, and Slanesh because those are, in a sense, the, the true name or like the name that conveys the best sense of what those gods are. But they didn't pop into existence and look at everybody and go, by the way, my name's Korn, that's Zinch, he's Slanesh, he, she, it is Slanesh, and uh, the fat dude over there is Nurgle. Like, they didn't, they didn't have a formal meeting about that. They are ideas. They are very broad concepts that became divine and sentience, all sorts of weird shit happened. But what's interesting is that in the Warhammer world, you, if you're actually living in the world, you are a fucking idiot if you say their true names. Yeah. You don't do that. They have tons of other names. They have epithets. But like calling, saying uh, Nurgle, not smart. Now, if you're going to say like Nurgloth or like one of the other thousands of names the norska tribes have for him that's a lot safer like it still refers to him it's still a name it's not a title it's a name it's the name they used to worship we're calling corn carneth is going to be much less likely to draw their attention but if you say their actual name like you are speaking a word that has power because it's yeah. a definition it's not a name and if sadly you've got any capability of magic or any ability to do it and you're not just a material nobody if you've got any material power saying that word has effect in the same way that saying the words of magic using the lingua prestantia the words of magic i discussed already um will cause effects to come into place if you can channel magic if you can make that happen and that will often happen whether you want it to or not it's why the ruinous powers are referred to as such you don't refer to them as anything other than epithets other names because to whisper their names is to bring them to you and that is freaking dangerous dangaroos mm. ridiculously stupid um and in this particular case nurglitch does not mean devotee of nurgle it means someone who understands at some fundamental level what disease is like it would be a little bit like calling yourself the master of disease or some equivalent ah somebody watched one of the most recent episodes <laughs> of uh liver with you fool <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That was noted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <clears throat> with, so anyway, yeah, with Lord say, yeah, being, if we can, so if we look at Lord Scrolk the first, having lived, let's be generous. Nurglitch. Uh, let's be generous to Nurglitch the first and say that he lived until the Black Plague incident. Mm -hmm. That means Scrolk has a good window of about a thousand years for when he could have showed up. I will say, I personally doubt that Skrulk was there for the war in Lustria. I think he showed up during the when they were in the Southlands. I agree. But I do think that he was fully up and about and active in the First Civil War, um, yep. which is when he got to encounter Nurglitch, get, get to see Nurglitch, who is full-powered, raging, you know, and they're like, oh, this is the big guy in charge. The Council 13, that's a joke. This is the real boss witnessed him ripped out his eyes and went on to fight in the wars and i also agree with andy because of a thing um a piece of evidence from a book that we're gonna have other thoughts about later um that Skrulk is responsible for the black plague yeah 
um, which the Black Plague is the most horrible disease that's ever been unleashed. Um, the most devastating. I you I would argue Nurgle's rot's probably the most horrible, but um, devastating would be the Black Plague. It killed so many fucking people. Yeah, and <clears throat> so we about... have in... oh, oh no, go ahead. Cool. No, go ahead. I was just going to say we have clearly in Skull's background, and it's mentioned in a couple of places that he was responsible for unleashing plagues on entire civilizations, which could be the most obvious one, Skaven. And the Empire, possibly Britonia, because they're the ones that we have most commonly popping up. And plus the ones most likely, almost certainly down in the Southlands as well, because there's going to be empires down there um, yeah. that have also been uh, attacked and devastated by the Skaven at various points in history. It's just the Games Workshop has not gone down there because of a whole variety of reasons we're definitely not getting into. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. If they, if they ever did expand more lore, which I hope they do with the Old World eventually, um, into the Southlands, explore the cultures and people there, because they're, I mean, they're humans that live down there, tons of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, there would have to be a big thing about the early Black Plague being used against them to kind of see how it works and fine-tune it, and that would have been Skrulk. Absolutely. Um, there's even a note in the um, in the a book we're going to talk about later, which is the Lustria book by Cubicle 7 that talks a lot about Skrulk and a lot of it's copy pasted. But one yes. of the things they say about Skrulk that I really, really like is they talk about that when they're going over like his objectives, if you're using him as a playable character, they talk about that Skrulk goes to Lustria. And this is in his little timeline, the first time he's really been there, um, that he he has been sent by Nurglitch to lead a big old group over there after Tetto Echo flattened everything with a comet. And their goal is to basically dig out all the Underwarrens, find any artifacts they can find that were left behind by the first Nurglitch and all those other shenanigans. <laughs> Viper Wolf. <laughs> Did they spread C-19? <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> yes. Almost um, killed me, Skrulk. You yeah. tried, you failed. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely <laughs> did. Um, but... Thanks, What's interesting is that they note that what he's trying to do is he is looking for notes left behind by the first Nurglitch or maybe the six, it, depending on how you look at it, um, that ha he's looking for their notes because he believes if he finds them, he'll find a key so that he can take the Black Plague and perfect it. He could take it and make it into the ultimate disease that's even more virulent and even more devastating, which he knows if he could do that, it's it's endgame. It's game yep. over. Yep. So taking all of that, I think we're beginning to form parts of his character that are definitely hinted at without... <laughs> I'm bringing that straight up. Clan Rat 19. <laughs> Fuck Clan Rat 19. Um, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to squeeze that into my stream somehow. Because that makes me laugh. Um, that really makes me laugh. Like um, thanks for having this side. Um, so yes, we have a sort of um, some clear potential character progression being discussed here without ever actually hitting the black and white of the page or the screen, and that's that we've got someone who is probably responsible for the Black Plague. It was almost wholly successful at wiping out the strongest power in the old world, and arguably one of the biggest threats to Skaven Blight. But it fails, and after its failure, Skrulk never becomes Nurglitch, and there is a good reason potentially for that here. Skrulk failed. Mm. And in his heart, 
that will obviously be terrible, but that also puts them beneath other ones. It, um, uh, that puts them beneath the other Nurglitches. It means we have a clear pecking order. He did not succeed in this particular endeavor. And that would also fill him with a need to succeed at a later point, which matches the character details that we have later. So I think we've got a very clear progression here where we've got someone who was responsible for unleashing diseases back during the first civil war almost certainly did do it down in the southlands perhaps wiping out or at least deeply damaging some important civilization down there taking that plan up to skaven blight skaven blight then as pestilence is in ascendance tries to do the same thing in the north clan pestilence unleashes those plagues Skrolk is at the forefront of that making it happen using the Liber Bubonicus, which we'll get to relatively soon, to help further that particular plan and ensure that it's put in place. It's looking like it's going to be a complete win, but it turns into a fail, and that fail probably ended Nurglitch's life, the man that he has very much dedicated everything to. Man. And <laughs> the Skaven, the male <laughs> that he has dedicated his life to, um, but it also showed a great flaw in what he thought was an unassailable plan. So that immediately gives you a really clean character arc for Skrulk, a clean idea of the story that he's got without it really being mentioned anywhere. You know, I, I actually really love the idea of him, like, because of what happened to the Black Plague, A, there being the irony that it probably wasn't actually Skrulk's fault because it was this other rat who did yeah. it um that like changed the plague to use it against skaven and then it got out but um i love the idea that scrolk of nurglitch the first dying and scrolk holding himself responsible Me too. and that being like i i don't deserve to sit on the council of 13 like yeah. i i'm unworthy i'm gonna go back to my studies and I, what i think a good follow-up to this is this would also do a really good job of showing how the red pox who would have been made by a different plague lord was not nearly as effective like yeah. the red pox was a it was strong but compared to the black plague it was a complete it was a embarrassment of yeah, it, a was, it was disease. terrible it was, it was, it was, like it was it almost hilarious but yeah eh. <laughs> <Bretonians> <laughs> weren't doing themselves any favors with the way they their peasants their so, the way they live at this point, I would suggest that Skrolk is almost certainly one of the finest minds when it comes to disease that Skavendom has to offer, um, and is someone who is probably not only filled with all his deep devotion, but also crippled by significant doubt because of the failures that have been suffered and because of the steps that he has gone through that he thought was going to be successful for the Horned Rat and failed, which means contrition follows, which means that we now have a character that makes sense for his great age, enormous age, yet still not trying to push upwards. It's because he doesn't feel worthy. He is unworthy of taking Nurglitch's seat because he has yet to succeed in the same way that Nurglitch had done so beforehand. It also means that when someone else comes in as Nurglitch, he's not sitting there going, you know what, fuck you, I'm a Skaven, I'll do whatever the fuck I want, I'm also older than you, or any of the other various schemey Skaven steps. He's just like, yep, I'm going to go do what you say. I'm a devout priest, so to speak. 
I am going to go do my thing because I fail before I will not fail this time. We've got ourselves a real character here. And often with the Skaven, they just fall into tired tropes that are basically based on Thankwall again and again and again, <laughs> but respun in different ways because Thankwall got so much written about him. This gives us a character who is deep, who is riven, who has got complicated emotions and complicated uh it's not just he's got complicated motivations. He's actual he's, character. <laughs> he's got an actual freaking character, God which is it. often not the case. Scroll, uh, campaign with Skrulk is the big bad. This Most is... bad guys in Warhammer are given a character along these lines. I am a bad guy. <laughs> Watch me do evil. I am off to evil now. I shall twirl my mustache <laughs> one more time. Uh, it doesn't really matter what faction they come from. They're almost all written the same. Look at my giant army. I shall take you down. Oh, no. I've been hit in the head by a hammer. I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, and and it's a bit hilarious. Great Nagash impression. <laughs> <laughs> to be hey. fair, I think Nagash is more nuanced than that, but yes. Paragoner. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you very much for the super chat. We really appreciate the sweet message. Uh, these scratch our brains, too. Like, I... At yeah, they really my, do. I, I love these. Um, laughing God is Skrulk more of an actor in the Will the Great Horns Rats Will, or is he a major player which amounts to a religious schism? For me, I would much prefer if he actually was an actor in the Will of the Great Horned Rats uh, scheme, so to speak. Um, uh, but he himself is driven by doubt. Um, he himself is unsure whether he's doing the right thing, which in many respects is quite unscaveny, where they are often filled with such self-righteous certainty um, as they fail again and again and again and backstab everyone else around. Um, the Horned Rat is also a complicated god without just a single way towards success, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and um, I would prefer that he was that rather than being someone who was working against the horned rat's will while simultaneously thinking that he was working for it i think it almost weakens the character because there's few characters in the skaven let's say catalog of characters that have actual character and i would rather not immediately go the only one that does is a bit pish i would say skrulk is a character who all evidence suggests he has zero doubt in his faith but there is some evidence that we're building here that he could have a lot of doubt in his, his ability to deliver on that yeah. faith. And that in many respects is super Skaven because Skaven at their very heart are fearful. And one of the core concepts, whenever you're building a Skaven character is to try and manifest that fear in one fashion or another. And having Skrulk's fear being that he just isn't good enough really does ground him down as a really interesting character in comparison to some of the others who all think they're absolutely the best and they're not just the best they're better than everybody else um and their fear very much manifests just losing or someone else rising above them or whatever but they all tend to be just thankful in disguise yeah especially because the great horn rat um like it works very well because the great horn rat's one of his biggest tenants he is not a forgiving god at mm. all so yeah. it actually would pay a really cool idea and really lean into that idea of he's blessed by the horned rat that he mm. kind of gets away with having a failure that he's like oh shit oh shit and the horned rat's like eh. <laughs> although in this case he didn't fail someone else um that's true took the win so to speak yeah which <laughs> granted the horned rat has some pretty hilarious interpretations of failure that seem genuinely thought out because obviously thankful is very blessed um, yes but 
but thankful through the horned rat is playing like 40 chess as opposed to regular chess yeah um uh, uh, treachery is a core component of the horned rats uh plan and that means that a lot of the time it they're working against each other and honing themselves to become, in the end, better weapons. Skrulk is being honed. All the chips are being taken off the edge of him. And that's very horned rat. That allows you to both fail and also succeed. Yep. Predator rules. Does Clan Pestilence ever team up with Nurgle slash Nurgle worshippers? Love the stream. Hope you're having a great day. So different authors have handled this in different ways. Yeah. Um, they will often team up, but they will just as often try to absolutely murder the shit out of each other. Um, I actually think one of the things Age of Sigmar handled extremely well, in my opinion, was the relationship between Nurgle and Clan Pestilence because they're much more interwoven in Age of Sigmar. Where, like, if you're playing Maggotkin of Nurgle or Clan Pestilence specifically, you can take Maggotkin or you can take Nurgle or Skaven Clan Pestilence as allies. Like, they're treated as allied factions. And uh, Clan Pestilence even get the Nurgle keyword so that they're resistant to diseases. Um, but the way the lore explores in AOS, which I think actually works really well for fantasy, is that on a surface level, they can see eye to eye and that they both understand that a disease is a divine gift and that it is kind of a means to their glorious end. But the thing that breaks down in their relationship almost immediately, like they might have a common enemy, so they'll like kind of work together. But as soon as they get past that initial fighting stage, they will almost immediately start fucking with each other because yeah. the reasons they use disease, what the end goal is, is completely different. For Nurgle, it's about the cycle. It's the endless grinding, despairing <laughs> wheel of death, decay, rebirth, death, decay, rebirth. There is no end. There's no escape. It's awful. Just accept it and laugh at the horrible despair because that's all you can do whereas but it's it's about life it's about creating more life now the life is unholy and fucking awful but it's still life whereas you know cancer is technically life but yeah. with with clan pestilence it's about ruination it's about breaking everything down so that it it's so brittle and mushy and mulchy that it can't stand against you anymore and you can eat it and stand atop everything but there is no like there's it's not about bringing back life it's not about like oh like look how we're making these wonderful gardens of horrible diseases or creating tumorous growth or all this no it's about killing your ass yeah that's what clan pestilence is about is death they are complete opposites if you look at it from that perspective Nurgle is life in a really fucked up way. Clan Pestilence is ruination. It's death. It's an end. Yep. I agreed. Broadly. Um, lots of specifics that could be brought up, but I think that's better for a Nurgle stream because I broadly yep. completely agree. Um, and I think that to a degree answers much of this one, Jonathan Scott, which is what do Nurgle think, pardon me, Nurgle cults think about Clan Pestilence? And I think we've broadly covered it there. They are um, broadly sometimes in a similar area but they are often enemies. Um, and that's a good way to put it. Just the Skaven as a whole often work with chaos and often yeah. work against chaos. Yeah, that's just Skaven and chaos in yeah, general. Yeah, just, just Skaven in general. Um, to, to just separate out uh, Nurgle for Clan Pestilence is, I think, a mistake. The 
just because they have something in common in no way means that they are the only ones who do it. You'll find that Nurgle will work with the other clans as well, and the other clans will work with Nurgle or Slanesh or Corn or Zinch. It depends entirely on the circumstances. Skaven are actually one of the few factions in the entirety of the old world who, under the correct circumstances, will work not necessarily alongside, but most certainly towards the same goal as almost anybody else. It depends yeah. entirely on the situation at hand and what the individual Skaven, who's making yeah. the decisions, think. Yeah, with Andy said, I, I, yeah, I think the best way to put it is that Clan Pestilence and Nurgle are no more likely to really work with each other than any of the other groups. It's yeah. just that they they have more of an appreciation for each other's efforts. I guess yeah, like they have more of an understanding. Uh, let's be honest. A plague monk dealing with someone who is a champion of Nurgle is less likely to walk away and die two days later. Yeah. yeah and exactly the, the same stands <laughs> on the other side. Um, it's not just that they have got various similar alignments potentially. It's that they themselves are immune to much of what the alternative, the other group, have to offer. So they make natural allies in that regard, while simultaneously they also make, particularly for the Plague Priests, interesting allies because the Plague Priests are always looking for new infectious diseases that they can add to their Book of Woe. Indeed, the very source text they originally took from Nurgle, which is something we'll be getting on to yeah, relatively now. soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll but do we got the Book of now. Woe. The Book of Woe. The Liber Bubonicus. Liber yes, indeed. Um, uh, the Book of Woe is this great mighty tome that the plague priests work upon that gathers together everything that they've ever learned about every disease that is out there. Oh, uh, oh, actually, we missed, we missed a couple real quick. Uh, okay, let's, okay, let's do those first because yeah. we can uh, get to that. Yeah, easy. Omnicide, uh, Clem Pestilence tends to be much more humble, or is it close to Skaven Kit in general, isn't it? Or is Vile Broth Null skewing my view? I would say it depends on the Plague Priest. Some Plague Priests, some Plague Priest, yeah, it's individual stuff. Like some are going to be a little more kind of, I would say they, Clem Pestilence will skew a little more towards being genuinely religious. So they mm. will be, they will come off more humble than yeah. others but you you can find graciers that are like that um and it depends how you define humble yeah but uh but uh, it, it's certainly not for all of them there are clan pestilence skaven that are all about advancement and all about pride and power i would say probably all of the nerd glitches after the first are very much more ambitious individuals that care more about like political authority than they do about genuine disease and like they they care they have to be very heavily diseased individuals probably to get the position in the first place but they're they're you know they're all individuals they have their own things they're going for and then aaron yeah. uh thank you very much uh and uh yes diseases to gelt absolutely yeah yes see you understand <laughs> kill gelt with a good old disease so a disease hopefully from the book of woe now the book of woe has got a long and storied history that has a couple of lore changes here or there, but they're all relatively tiny. The big one is the Libra Bubonicus itself, the one that's carried by Lord Scroll. Um, the cortex of that was originally stolen um, from unspecified followers of Nurgle. Now, I say unspecified because at various points we get some specificity from different sources. But loosely speaking, at some point, a long time ago, long before Skrulk was carrying it, 
the Libra bubonicus was stolen, and the Skaven were particularly interested in the diseases that it held, almost certainly guided there by the horned rat. Perhaps this is the source of much of what Nurglitch would come to view as what was important um, for the horned rat's ruination through disease. And inside this book was this great panoply, an enormous swathe of different diseases and how they worked that had been gathered by Nurgle's worshippers. They took that, mastered it, learned it, and added to it. They then took it further. And this is one of the reasons why, right at the very first beginning of Lord Skrull's character, he was given access to spells of Nurgle. It's not because he was a worshipper of Nurgle. Let's make this incredibly clear. Indeed, in later versions of the character, he doesn't get Nurgle spells at all. And then in others, he does again. Depends on which version you look at. But it's yeah. not because he's a worshipper of Nurgle. It's because that's the Warhammer spells that we already have for disease. Um, and it was a super easy way of using it. The very first iteration of the character did have access to all the spells of Skaven and Nurgle, just like that. Um, the good old Libra Bubonicus gave him access to that. I think he was a third level caster first time around. Can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, yes. Um, so, you know, yeah, while was, I used was, that character, yeah, feeling the, last, old now. the last time Nurglitch got published was Lustrian 6th edition, which he was a level three wizard and he used spells from the Skaven lore of Plague. Um, uh, but, but he wasn't using the Libra Bubonicus. I was talking about no. Um, oh yeah, Skulk sorry, Scroll. Yes, uh, yeah, Scrolls. Oh, oh, okay. So actually, one thing I want to point out real quick: Libra Bubonicus. Yeah. I'm gonna fart on Games Workshop here for a second. They were really fucking lazy with the Libra Bubonicus. Both are Bubonicus because it represents three different things. There are three kinds of Libra Bubonicuses, <sighs> aka Books of Woe. So there's the big Libra Bubonicus, the the huge one, which is held by whoever is Nurglitch at the time. Like Nurglitch has a really big book. It's his version of the Great Book of Grudges, but it's the Great Book of Disease. And every seven full turnings of Morslib, which I don't know how the fuck Yo. they track that. Yeah, um, they're back together. Yeah, all the plague priests have to get back together and add any new diseases and stuff they found to the really really big book. So then everyone has their own personal books to their clan which is also called a liver bubonicus mm -hmm. and then individual units of plague monks will have a bringer of the word who carries a book of woe which is another way of saying a liver bubonicus which mm -hmm. are excerpts from their version of the liver bubonicus now scrolls version of the liver bubonicus is the most powerful that comes to the battlefield because he carries a whole fucking book that is one of the volumes of the really, really big one. Yeah. Um, plus, his one apparently also contains the uh, parts of the original book that was uh, stolen however many centuries ago from Nurgle. Um, and uh, as I recall, the Libra Bionicus, the big one, has um, scribed by multiple sources. We've got vermin lords who have definitely been responsible for scribing yes, parts. Yes, which I saw it, um, chat say something. Vermilanx. Vermilanx yeah. will oh be out God. there okay. anywhere. Vermilanx yeah. the Corrupt. Um, he he wrote parts of it. Other people wrote parts of it. But to make it even more confusing, um, the good old uh, Libra Bilbanicus is also extracted from to create warp scrolls, which are carried by the plague priest. But many of the models carry big long scrolls, and these are these are created using, of course, warp ink. Because what the hell else are you going to call it? Warp stone ink. Um, and they use their no, warp stone, stone ink <laughs> on living hides. Okay, so they've got to be alive when they scr scroll it onto their hide. Then they Oof. flay the skin off the living thing to create their scrolls. And these are copies from the original Libra Bubonicus. So when they all get together, 
Um, they do their big thing when they're saying, I've learned this new disease, squeak, squeak, and then adding it to the Libra Bubonicus, the big one. Um, they then copy out all the best bits and they run off with their warp scrolls. And somehow amongst all of this morass of different books of woe and books of Libra Bubonicus and the fact that it's a weak reference to Lothar Bubonicus from the original Realms of Chaos book, amongst all of this, Skrolk has got one of the big books, possibly, the original book, possibly, just a fucking copy, possibly, just his version, possibly. What's certain is it gives him some pretty fucking good spells. Yes, uh, on this side, also, yes, yeah, the, yeah, it's 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 the toilet paper version <laughs> of the Damas Kron, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, what so one thing you brought up that I want to talk about just for a very, very brief moment is you brought up Vermilanx. Um, mm. so for those unaware, Vermilanx the Corrupt is awesome, awesome character, he's a great character. <laughs> um, he is a Vermin Lord Corruptor, um, which are so in the end times, one of the really cool things they did in the end times is that the Vermin Lords got very heavily developed and we got different versions of Vermin Lords um, where you have the Vermin Lord Corruptor, which is the Clan Pestilence version. So it's a Vermin Lord of Disease. And then there's like the sneaky one, which is very Clanation. There's the, the very fighty one, which is the Warlord version. But anyway, um, Vermilanx is the big bad of the named Vermin Lords next to only Screech Vermin King, who's like the biggest, baddest one. Um, and Vermilanx is the most pot he's the most powerful disease entity that the Great Horned Rat has. But someone in chat said that I fucking love, and it would explain so much, is that what's revealed in the end times that I like a lot is that the Vermin Lords are basically demon princes. They are Skaven, who the Great Horned Rat has been impressed enough with that he grants them demonhood and they become Vermin Lords. Um, with Screech Vermin King literally being an entire Council of 13, which is fucking hilarious. Um, Vermilanx, someone in chat noted that I actually think is 100% accurate, is probably the first Nurglitch. Probably the first Nurglitch, yes. I've, um, I have long behind the scenes thought this. Yeah, which would explain why in the end times he is so fucking buddy-buddy with Skrulk. He is immensely, like, he goes out of his way to save Skrulk from Krokar just beating the shit out of that poor rat. <laughs> And I would go um, further and say that that provides us with another relatively weak but definitely solid piece of foundation for suggesting that Skrulk and the original Nurglitch um, are the two that met. We we back in Add more cards to the stack. <laughs> it is adding more cards to that stack. Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that loosely gives us a relatively clear timeline to go right back to what started us off in all of this for when Skrulk first did the deed and became Lord Skrulk and not just Skrulk the Plague Priest. And we're probably talking approximately 1,500, 600 years ago. Approximately. Yep. And he has been working his way up um, in, through the ranks of Skavendom and reached as high as he is willing to go until he has done everything that he feels he has to do for the Horned Rat. And as far as he's concerned, I think it's fair to say he has yet to do the big thing that allows him to be anything close to a reflection of Nurglitch that came before him. He could never take the name himself because Nurglitch should have that name. Yes. So that... Oh, uh oh, we lost Andy. Oh, no. Andy, no. He'll be back in a second. He'll be back. <laughs> Nurglitch... <laughs> He took me. Oh, you're Mike. Oh, there you are. <laughs> I was gonna say, I, the disease got him. 
<laughs> me away. <laughs> he, he was talking too much about the liver. He said liver bubonicus too many times. <laughs> I did. Liver bubonicus. Liver bubonicus. Ah, you appeared by me. What's the uh, meal? <laughs> oh, that's super fun. No, verma length, <laughs> not verma light. But yes, it does sound like some of the Brits would eat. Uh, or the Australians. So, um, one of the one of the things uh, we're talking about, Skrulk, as far as physical capabilities are concerned. So we've talked about the Libri Bonicus. It's that big book he carries on his back. Uh, if you're looking at his Total War model or the one that he's holding in his hand, if you're looking at his little tabletop mini, um, which it's a hilarious book. It's devastating. Um, the Total War version. I just want to make a quick note. This is not lore accurate, but I find it really funny. Is that so? What the Libri Bonicus does, as Andy was talking about, is you write down diseases in it. Like you record diseases, their effects, how to create them, if they're magical, what kind of like ritual has to be performed, and it allows and it also contains a lot of spells. Uh, one of the things that I thought was clever um, about the Lord Scroll portrayal in the Lustra book, which we'll get to more uh, dr dramatically in a minute, is that they actually have a note that because Scroll is so horrifically ancient and he knows just a fuck ton of spells because they give him a ridiculous amount of spells. Um, that he actually has trouble remembering all of them. Um, so if he he has to have the liver bubonicus to be able to cast them without like a small penalty uh, because he tends to forget them because he's just that old, uh, which I thought was actually kind of, uh, it's it's an endearing nice. quality for a villain. Um, but um, what's interesting about Skrull is that um, he does, the other thing that he carries, uh, he's got his, the, the rod of corruption. corruption. The Rod of Corruption, which uh, interestingly is very particularly noted to be made out of spider wood. Spider wood. Yeah. And then has. They just an, repeat that one again like, and again. Copy paste. We've got a detail. It's made yeah. of spider wood. What Let's is spider copy wood? that. We don't fucking know, but apparently it's a really nasty <laughs> tree, whatever it and is. It's really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was something that uh, I. I remember laughing about about 15 years ago, not long after the Children of the Horned Rat was released. Um, and I was going to do like an entire thing about Spiderwood as a small article because, because no one yeah. had. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, if you're making magical diseases, it is the goat shit. <laughs> Spiderwood. <laughs> but anyway, um, but he, uh, it, it's, it's a flail that has these iron, bunch of iron balls on the end, like a big plague sensor. And the way Skaven make their plague sensors, I love it. It's fucking genius and it's gross, which is that they have these big iron balls that they open them up and they put in a single shard of warp stone. And then they close it up. They write a bunch of awful runes of plague and ruination and horned rat goodies all over it. And then they go to the cauldrons of a thousand poxes, which thousand I, poxes. I want that in Total War so bad. I love the tabletop mini. It was gorgeous. But the cauldron of thousand poxes, exactly what it sounds like. It's a giant cauldron that they sometimes take on the battlefield where they stew up uh, just all kinds of diseases. It's got lots of diseases ready to go at any time. And they ladle it like a soup over each of these little um, iron balls. And it, it causes the runes to flare up and it makes the warp stone burn, which like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, totally. like. Warpstone burning just because of like how virulent the disease is that is nuts yeah it's um it's a it's a fine weapon too i have killed many people with it with that army because on that we haven't really described scrawl himself which i think oh, is yeah. worth doing Take it away. because 
Uh, Skrok is not your typical plague priest. He's still a plague priest in that he's riddled with all those poxes and horrific buboes and swellings and broken bits of diseases across him. But he's much more. We need to consider Skrok to be more the Mr. Burns from The Simpsons of Skaven. Um, in that he's exceedingly ancient and he's filled with so many different diseases. They've all sort of counteracted each other into this weird equilibrium. Um, meaning that he can just take on more and more and more to the point that he has the epithet the disease that walks. None can stand his presence except for other members of Clan Pestilence. And even they find him a bit much. Uh, any Skaven that get too close to him will die. Yep. Anyone wow. who gets too close to him will die. He's one of those characters that if you put him on the battlefield and actually think of the ramifications of facing him pretty much you're gonna die because he is filled with every disease that there is it's not good it's a little bit like those crazy nurgle characters you sometimes get and you're like wait a minute if this actually happened in reality you couldn't fight them you actually couldn't fight them because you just die regardless yep. of the outcome of the battle Skrulk is that guy he's this old decrepit bent over broken skaven who tore out his eyes centuries ago they weep horrible blistered weeping sores and he can still as we noted right at near the beginning of the stream see because he can see everything that's been influenced around him because he is surrounded by a miasma of his own plagues and the plagues that have extended out from him as the various infections have gone, there's a <clears> suggestion <throat> in more than one place that he could see potentially hundreds of miles away if someone was carrying one of his plagues. It would suggest that if he was responsible for the Black Plague, just think of what that could mean in terms of his vision when he was in the Empire at that point. Yeah, when he was uh, at All of those, all of those around him who had been sunk through the Black Plague, and he's loosely aware of each and every last living soul with it, What's around them? What's going them? Is he himself this blind seer, this walking prophet of the horned rat who is going from city to city, tearing it down? He's a uh, he's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, and uh, and his body is like Andy said, it's grotesque of that. Like his roads he are causes all... terror. He's <clears throat> as bad as a greater demon of Zinch. He's as bad as a greater demon of Nurgle. An enormous fuck off dragon. Four miles long comes from the sky, lands beside you, and you go, "Yep, that's impressive." I'm as scared of you as I am of that. Yeah, what well, to put into perspective how ugly his miasma is is that you don't a normal person could see it because there's an aura around him where everything dies. Plants just rot, decay, die. Animals just collapse. Um, they know there there are no flies around Lord Scroll because they can't survive um, the aura like. The only parasites that he has on his body are ones that are magically induced um, because they have to be able to survive the environment that is his body. And, and that's something that you've really got to get into your head if you compare Skrulk to, say, Nurgle. Nurgle is about life gone wrong. Really wrong. Mm. It's jade magic, going back to our original stream about the winds of magic. The jade magic gone overripe as everything swells and the disease becomes virulent and spreads. Skrulk is not that guy. Skrulk carries these diseases and you will die. You, If you come close to him, you're dead. Where with Nurgle, you're more likely to come away with horrible whispering diseases attempting to get you to switch over to the chaos way of thinking. 
Yeah, yeah. Nurgle's not gonna give you a disease that will make you rot away until you hopefully become a plague bearer. No, you're just, you're just gonna die. If Skrulk goes in Nurgle's cauldron. What happens? It's gonna be the Grom situation, I think. Either Skrulk wins or the cauldron wins. <laughs> it's probably gonna be the cauldron, to be fair. But like, it it would just kind of be a race. <laughs> it's it's um. I think this actually speaks to a slightly different story, and that is, if you're not going to kill Skrulk in the end times, what do you do with him? Um, and I think the correct answer is. Either your story is to do with the horned rat or your story is to do with disease in particular. One way, for example, to take him down would be to show how incorrect he was about disease and its point and, and chaos wins the day. You've got to remember that the end times is about chaos winning, which means the Skaven lose. And that would be one way of showing Nurgle's dominance. The very diseases that he's been attempting to master over all the centuries finally eat him away or make him fall to chaos, which would be terrible for a religious character or something else. Ultimately, Nurgle's cauldron represents something that's quite beyond where Skrulk lies. So the answer would be, what happens? He either converts or he dies. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, for the, and for those curious, I'll just give the very briefest of rundowns because it'll inevitably be someone being like, what did happen to Skrulk in the end times? Uh, long story short, he leads the invasion of Lustria. Like, he's in charge of that half of the world. He is yeah. super fucking important. He's the uh, Grimgore. Yeah, he leads the first invasion. They lose. He leads the second invasion. They kind of win, but that's when the moon gets blown up. Uh, in the big epic final battle... Um, he, he summons Vermilanx. Vermilanx helps him finally defeat Tehenuin. So Tehenuin loses to Lord Skrulk yeah. and Vermilanx because Tehenuin relies on ambush warfare and Vermilanx is like, all right, fuck this and unleash a disease that just killed the jungle. So you can't ambush if there's no trees. So Tehenuin has to retreat. And then the big epic final fight, Krokgar, who's one of this, from a lore perspective, he may just look like a dude that fights. Krokgar is fucking terrifying. Like, yep, he dude. is ridiculous. I, I can't even put into words how stupidly strong he is for a character that doesn't use magic. But anyway, uh, him and Skrulk have their big epic final battle. Skrulk kills Grimlock, a Carnosaur that is almost 10,000 years old, if not over that, in one hit. He bops him with a Rod of Corruption, and Grimlock literally shrivels up into, like, a raisin instantly. That's how horribly diseased he, uh, Skrulk is. He fights Krokgar. Uh, he almost wins. He like he hits Krokgar with a bunch of disease. Krokgar goes down, but Krokgar, the Hand of the Gods, which is an old, really stupid OP old one artifact, it kind of kicks into maximum gear, and Krokgar literally just like burns with the light of the old ones themselves, and Skrull goes genuinely blind uh, because his disease gets burned away by the the purifying energy of the old ones, and then Krokgar literally impales him on a stick and waves them up in the air and waves them around a little bit. Uh, Vermilanx comes out, attacks Krokgar, Krokgar gets knocked back, and Vermilanx grabs Skrulk, starts healing him, and then jumps into the uh, the Realm of Ruin, which is the Great Horned Rat's personal dimension, and that's the last we see of him. We actually yep. don't know Bye. how Skrulk in the end. And in some respects, I feel that that was somewhat of a waste because using Skrulk as a representation for everything Pestilence had done down there is not necessarily the best use of the character. They could have used almost anyone to do that, but I did like it because Skrulk was finally given at least something to do. Um, yeah. It was nice. Yeah, and where is he in AOS? We don't know. He's either dead okay. or hibernating or who knows. Hey, Matthew. Um, who is a worse affront to nature, Skrulk, Morgur, or Gelt? I will say that Skrulk isn't an affront to nature at all. Um, I indeed, it's Morgur, easily. I mean, 
Scrock is just disease is not against nature. Disease is a part of nature. Um, Scrock is just manipulating and using nature to his own uh, devices and using disease towards an end and on behalf of his God. So I would argue there that the answer is clearly guilt. <laughs> I will say uh, if you changed your wording to what um, worse affront to life, I would say Scrock. Mm, nature, yeah. though, not so much because hey, death cool. is part of life. Or a death is a part of nature. It's just this is the way it goes. Uh, the real Black Death killed something like thirty to fifty percent of the population in Europe. Do we have any numbers for the old world? Yes, Andy, let them have yeah. it. Um, loosely speaking, uh, depending on where you are, as many as nine and ten. It was almost ninety percent in most places. It was actually awful. Um, there is a couple of different versions because, as often as the case with Warhammer writers, whatever came before, they tried to add plus one. So what may have started as this character is one of the better characters turns into the best character turns into the only one that can do this turns into is a representation of God on earth and all the winds of magic and is amazing. Um, and somewhat similarly, the Black Death, uh, which was originally just a reference to real world Black Death and had largely exactly the same ramifications, got scaled up then was laid at the Skaven's hand, which I hadn't been previously, or should I say at the Skaven's paw, um, and then was scaled up again in later writing to have been utterly devastating. You'll find that each writer takes it slightly differently, but the, loosely most of the numbers behind the scenes were about 90% in most places, unless there was a reason not to. Yeah, keep in mind, the Skaven literally enslaved what was left of the Empire, except for like Sylvania, because Sylvania had the undead, and the Laura Lorne elves were helping out around like Middenheim and stuff. It, it was one of the biggest uh, failures, you could argue, of the Empire, and very few other invasions of the Empire have been as successful as that invasion. The fact that it failed was laid largely down in the hands of one individual, and a certain amount of good old magic and divine magic and all the rest of it. It's the Warhammer world. There's always going to be an influence of that. And of course, the Skaven backbiting and stabbing each other in the back. Hey, Laughing God! Did Skrulk ever face off against a prominent Nurgle worshiper or demon? I feel like it's a missed opportunity for him not to have faced off against someone that ha or have a rivalry with a demon over the years. I agree. Yeah, oh, God. I want to say the answer is yes, but I can't remember a specific... There might be a reference in the first Thankful and Bone Ripper book because there are some chaos -y dudes that are running around in that book. Um, you make me doubt, but I can't recall it. But you might be right. Um, but I would be looking for I was a thousand times more evil than the moment from the demon um, who would see the almost prosaic nature of the disease manipulation on behalf of the Skaven as uh, the dabblings of a neophyte who didn't truly understand. And there is that moment where chaos, particularly because chaos does become ascendant, that really should have nailed at home that the Skaven were... Um, for all they were doing their own thing became a tool of the destruction of the world at the hands of chaos and it would have been lovely to have that moment of the skaven um, being wrong in a very yeah. different way and in their ascendancy in their inheritance it all going a bit wrong there's a lovely story in there somewhere that could have been teased out and it would have been beautiful if there'd been foreshadowing for that by having some form of rivalry, some form of issue, alliance, sometimes enmity other times that could then have turned into, yeah, well, I was playing you all along, slap. There's definitely something there that could have been good, but it didn't happen. So there's no yeah, point I, I think, dwelling. 
Yeah, I think there would have been something fun to have had like an alliance between the likes of Dr. Festus and Lord Skrulk where mm -hmm. they're trying to manipulate one another for what the end of the disease is going to be as they're trying to make a super disease. And just as Skrulk probably manages to pull one over on Festus and gets the upper hand and thinks he's going to win, Kugoth Plaguefather shows up. And you have this character that goes, no, let me show you just how far this can go. And that would be a critical moment for Skrulk. Now, whether he would die there or whether he would do something interesting, because Skaven are very interesting characters, you know, play around with that in your head. Yeah, I mean, I, upon thinking upon it, if we're dealing with a plague priest whose core raison d'etre is to understand, manipulate, and use disease, ultimately, the demons of Nurgle are a core source of this. He is a sorcerer. I quite like the idea of having him being in contact with demons, trapped demons, captured demons over the course of time, and them being underneath that magic, controlled, at least on the surface, but ultimately behind the scenes over the centuries, working towards twisting them to a different uh, view, a different way of doing things that would allow it to do its thing at the end. That doesn't mean that the faith was misplaced in the horned rat or that the horned rat's um, use of disease um, is in any way related to Nurgle. It's just a method of showing how chaos is insidious and works into everything. And it would have been nice to do that. And using the, sca the Skaven's need to enslave, the Skaven's need to take their ruination in general, and using that against Skrulk would have been, I think, a fun story to potentially be told. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, there's, there's definitely something in there that if they ever decided to just Marvel reset it all, um, you could tell a pretty freaking amazing. If you story. ever use Skrulk as the big bad in your campaign, that would be a fun idea to play around with as yeah, a, a potential villain that is lurking in the background, <laughs> depending on how your players are dealing with things. Uh, yeah, Rip Grimlock, he was the best. We miss him every day. Uh, let's see, Czar94, do we have any uh, idea how big number wise Clan Pestilence is compared to the other clans? So, Tech, are you doing a Christmas charity stream again this year? I don't know yet, maybe. Um, but uh, in answer to the first question, fucking huge. Uh, Clan, Pestil Clan Pestilence is canonically the largest clan when it comes to themselves and the clans they control. Yeah. Like, Clan Skryer, Mulder, and Eshin are not very populous compared to Pestilence. Pestilence is a faith. It's not just a clan. It's something so much nastier and bigger, which is why... The other clans kind of hate them so fucking much because there's yeah. so much, there's such a pain in the ass to deal with. Um, but when it comes to pure numbers, uh, like next to only certain warlord clans, Clan Pestilence is easily the most populous of the four great clans. Yeah, easily. Um, I, I, I have nothing to contradict or add to that beyond, remember, these. this is the clan that uh, rules the Southlands. Yeah, um, the rules enormous chunks of elsewhere as well, but bits of philosophy and bits of here, bits of there. Um, they are big. Um, when you consider the other clans are often not ruling these other locations at all. And I think that Sotek largely nails one of the primary reasons why. They are not just a clan. They are an entire faith, an entire way of dealing with the horned rat and expressing the horned rat's will on the world. Consider it like if you want to look at other um, game settings, look at, say, Dragon Age, where you've got the Kuhn. The Kuhn is uh, one of the religions of that world that's represented by one of 
one species and everyone always thinks of that species when they think of the coon until it's explained through the course of the game all the other species are wrapped up in that and their entire arm their entire empire includes everybody all following the faith and in many respects clan pestilence is much more than a clan it's a faith uh <laughs> also can i just say thanks very much 50 dollars. Yeah, thank well. you very very generous thank you so much <laughs> Uh, Hammond, I, uh, I have an idea for that as we get closer to Christmas. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for, those of you, for those of you who don't know, Hammond did an epic rap battle between me and Gelt. It's, it's out there. Somewhere. It's very impressive. It's it, it's uncanny <laughs> and, and impressive. Um, well, I'll, I'll be doing something with that closer to Christmas. Um, <laughs> laughing God, a good old pox off, if you will. Yes, yeah. yes, good old the good old. Uh, Church, church pox off. <laughs> yeah, um, together. Uh, and for those of you out there who know your Michael Moorcock stuff, um, there's a lovely little bit at the end of Elric's stories, which I will drop down. Elric has effectively wiped out the Chaos Gods. Um, this is where Games Workshop drew lots of its inspiration. Um, and the tool that he used to do this um, is shown to be working towards its own ends. And in many respects, that's kind of how I can see um, disease and pestilence. It's working towards its own ends. And that's Nurgle. You've got to remember, Nurgle is more than just a chaos god. Nurgle is quite literally disease. They are using Nurgle. And ultimately, that's about... Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Ask the Wizards of the Empire. They're using I was going to say, no well. more than a wizard using magic or yep, exactly. a warrior killing people in a fight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. That's what, that's what sucks about chaos. It's kind of ubiquitous. It's hard to get around it. Mm -hmm. quite. That's why the Lizardmen are like... <laughs> you, you races not doing shit anyway um yeah uh yeah like the most recent episode of lawhammer not the elemental with one but the one before that has a whole big awesome tangent about wizards trying to defeat chaos by using magic which is technically chaos <laughs> like you're by fighting it you're making it worse <laughs> it's a big um, complicated thing isn't it um, yeah. The Warhammer world is a tough place to negotiate. I'm going to defeat this fire by lighting everything else on fire around it. <laughs> but you know, as we all it know, that hurt. can work. You starve um, oxygen yeah, towards the, the fire. And it's, out, yeah. yeah, yeah. so let's give it a go, eh? We definitely yeah. won't mutate. <laughs> we won't burn everything down and die horribly. Nah, it's fine. Um, all right, so um, uh, so we talked a lot about... we Man, we got off on a hell of a tangent there from Skrulks. We really did. I've kind of, kind of lost track um, of where we were now. Yeah, so we were talking about Skrulks physical design and stuff. Uh, yes. uh, one of the things I do love about Skrulk uh, design-wise is a lot of people note that he walks with a big hunch, and they're like, oh, it's because he's super old. Not entirely. Uh, the way Skrulks' diseases have gone to such a point, he has a mound on his back. And it's literally described as being like scabs on top of pustules on top of pimples on top of buboes. Like it's just a stack of just ugh, um, that literally sways. And there's a note. They never explore this. And I'm kind of glad they didn't because the, the horror is better in the unknown that when Skrulk is moving around or holding still, you can see things moving under his cowl, like something that's big enough that it's like you could see the motion which like does he have other limbs does he have like some kind of horrible parasite that lives in his body does he have something that could a tentacle or something that could pop out and attack just, you if you attacked him like or is it just his own body eating itself yeah like you know, there's a quite literal manifestation of cancers and the worst of it Ugh. um all right so given the hour i think we're gonna have to eventually turn to controversy 
Okay, yeah. Okay. And we're going to have to do it. We've I mean, this is, this is something we've been <sighs> avoiding, but inevitably controversy is going to fall upon this stream. And yeah. I fear it is about to arrive. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Last thing I'll say about Skrulk that's super cool. Uh, he is he is the one of the fat he is one of if not the fastest skaven next to like only deathmaster snitch like his reflexes normally you think nurgle you think oh they're fat or disease you think oh fat slow and super tough no 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 scroll is tough and he is fast as fuck <laughs> he is, is he? i did not know it's yeah that. they note in his uh lore that he could catch flies by their wings if flies oh, love fly it. Be around him um like he's freakishly fast is one of his gimmicks which is so awesome because he's so old and diseased and normally when you think nurgle boys you're like oh they're slow but no uh, strokes yeah. fast as fuck boy fast as any other i mean he's no he's no death master snicked initiative 10 but he's still initiative six yeah he's quite, that. um which you wouldn't expect which i like a lot yeah, about yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, anyway yeah. so controversy stuff so uh for those unaware uh cubicle mm. seven has inherited huh uh <laughs> a uh the mantle of I see what you did there yeah after <laughs> it died uh andy law was very heavily involved in a lot of that in the early stages it was um but it is kind of continued to develop uh, its own timeline in a sense which general rule of thumb is whenever anything ever gets done games workshop wise that particular publication you might as well treat it as its own timeline um take your favorite bits throw out the rest which we're about to get into um and they've released a lot of books some are great some are not as great um, even within them, some have really cool parts. Some parts are kind of eh. Uh, just depends, and uh, what what you like, and what you don't like. Um, but they released a Lustria book, which was a really fucking big deal because there had never, not in an age, been a good exploration of Lustria from like a role play perspective. And never. the book has a lot of really cool parts, and it has some parts that are a little interesting decision wise. <laughs> and one of those revolves around Clan Pestilence. Uh -huh. So. Uh, <laughs> In fantasy, <laughs> in fantasy, uh, kind of as I build up towards this, there is a general rule of thumb that your people are going to have a lot of questions about how everything works, mm -hmm. and you as an author can decide to just give them the answer, or you can choose mm -hmm. to leave breadcrumbs that lead to an answer, or you can choose to leave a lot of little cracked open doors that lead to a lot of different places. Generally, Games Workshop has always run with the idea of the cracked door philosophy. Um, which they talk about a lot if you ever talk to any of their writers, which is that you're supposed to give enough information that if you want to explore it later, you can, but you really try to want to avoid just like answer and the end. Yeah. Um, I'll give, let's give you a clear example of this just to make sure that we all get what we're talking about here. We had a previous stream about Myrmidia, goddess of war and strategy. And we discussed at some point the Monastery of the Dark Maiden um, that was inside one of the books. Now, I wrote that section. And in that section, there's an entire debacle about Myrmidia and who she was and where she came from. And this cult holds the answer. And this particular faction of the cult, the answer is quite clearly written on the page as, and they lost it. But it's still buried there if anyone wants to go find it, without actually providing the answer. Hints were laid. There was a whole bunch of words that were specifically chosen to give an idea of what was lying within it. But importantly, the answer was not spelt out in black and white, because to do so is to limit future writers, which is always a problem. You want to ensure that future writers have got the ability to write whatever they want inside particular areas to best suit the product 
at hand. So if you've got a previous edition that says the opposite, then you're just going to end up having to overwrite it, which upsets the fans because they're like, but wait a minute, you've just contradicted that previous bit of lore. And they're like, yeah, I have to, to make my game work. So yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> loosely, I wouldn't be the first writer to do that. Or alternatively, what bit of lore? I've never heard of that before because they didn't do the due diligence. The research. That also happens. So one of the ways to ensure that doesn't is to write very carefully about any fact and to provide any facts as in-game facts only. And by that, I mean, it's a belief of a character in the world. It's not necessarily true. People can believe crazy shit. Just look at the real world and all the crazy shit that people believe in it. And it's very easy for your flat earther out there to claim that they know the actual facts of the world. And it's the same in the Warhammer world. You can have characters who believe things, but you shouldn't state it from a God view that this is the answer. We have provided you the answer. Restricts future writers. And it's also just kind of less interesting because there's no longer these channels where we debate these things. Yeah. And and you'll know if you go back and like read second edition Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay or even, even most of the Warhammer Fantasy fourth edition books are pretty good about like, if they're going to give you a fact, it's from an in-character perspective, so you can mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, maybe that's not true, or maybe that person's just an idiot, or whatever. Um, but this book had a couple of weird things all over the place. Like, there's this book introduced a vampire elf, which, to my understanding, is getting written out of the physical version, because so many people were like, what the fuck is that? Um, <laughs> so it's getting, like, actually edited out of the book. But anyway, um, so... I would just like to say that Mordekin Crescent gets it. For example... Some people think guilt is a good character. See? Everything. Subjective views. That's fine. Andy Andy just hates people from the Border Princess. That's all this is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's interesting is that... So, in this book, uh, just to cut to the quick of it, there is a section on Ketza, which is the, the, the defiled city, which is where Clan Pestilence... Uh, oh, it, it was their birthplace. It's where the original Skaven that came to Lustria shacked up in the ruins of Ketza, which is important because Ketza was known as the Defiled before the Skaven got there. It was yeah. a Lizardman Temple city um, that was predominantly destroyed by the demons of Nurgle. Um, a big old demon host showed up and they unleashed a really powerful disease that killed all the defenders and it made the city uninhabitable to the Lizardmen and it's been left abandoned ever since known as the defiled so the skaven that's where they move in because nobody's there it's a ruin and it's still like fairly functional and well constructed so it made a very nice natural home for them unfortunately mm -hmm. for them it was also horribly diseased <laughs> because of these nurgle diseases which led into a lot of their shenanigans that's fine that's great the problem is that the book introduces a new character which is that it breaks down i, I make sure to pull up his page so i get his name right um, but it it has a breakdown of the city of Ketza, which has been flattened by uh, Tedueco's Comet, but you can go into the Underwarrens and it's kind of like a dungeon, very, very late game dungeon for your players. Yep. Now, what happens is there's a secret chamber in the very bottom of this dungeon where the, the final boss essentially lives. And this character is revealed to be an exalted herald of Nurgle by the name of Ulf Krichnak which you'll note almost kind of sounds a little scaveny, And he's a giant, uh, great, uh, exalted um, Herald of Nurgle, which exalted heralds are like, most of them are like roughly human size. This guy's like over eight feet tall. Like he's fucking gigantic, even by Herald standards. And what's revealed is that he's got really big horns. 
um, with one of his horns kind of having broken off, um, which you may see kind of where this might be going. But he sits on the throne because he was basically the general in charge of the demon army that attacked Ketza. And although they won, you know, that's when shit kind of slowly started to go awry. And then the whole vortex happened and all these shenanigans and the demons get their asses kicked and uh, start fading out of reality. So he looks around and goes, oh, shit. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to run down to the bottom of this place. And he physically, like, anchors himself into that place because he starts leeching off the geomantic wet. He finds a way to kind of tap into it. And although the magic is very weird to him because it's not like the magic of the ether, which is fairly correct, um, he just kind of slowly just sips little tiny pieces of it to keep himself alive. I'm totally cool with all that. The problem is what happens next, which is that when the original Nurglitch comes to this city, um, the Skaven, they burrow down and they're getting all sick and stuff. And as they're burrowing down to the depths and they're getting horribly sick, Nurglitch and a group of his buddies discover Ulthokrichnak. And he wakes up. <clears throat> and they start talking to each other. And they make a deal. Which is that he says... No! Don't say the word deal! Yeah, God damn it! Deal. Um, and he says, tell you what, Nurgle abandoned me here and I really hate my grandpappy and he's annoying. So tell you what, I will give you power. I will give you all of these things. I will make you resistant to disease. I will remake you in my image in exchange for you helping me out and protecting me here and making sure I get to eat a lot of this great warning stuff and go out and kill those lizardmen guys. And Nurglitch goes, cool. And that's the whole founding of the cult. Like the whole, the whole thing of like, whoa, why did the great horn rat start doing disease? How did all this stuff happen? What they did Nurglitch discover? They didn't. Um, they, they found a demon in the bottom who they struck a bargain with and he gave them all the answers immediately. And that's the end. Uh, and he basically hangs out down there and Clen Pestilence knows he's down there, though only like the upper echelons are allowed to know about him because his existence kind of flies in the face of like the great horned rat being responsible for giving them their blessings. Uh, and like Skrull yep. knows he's down there and Skrull talks to him and they bring him like offerings and stuff and kind of the end, which in universe of the book they wrote, the illustrious book they work, doesn't make any fucking sense. Because there's still the great horned rat does grant blessings of plague. He still has his own lore of magic. It's not like they're like, oh no, it's just the lore of Nurgle. No, there's still a Skaven lore of plague. The right. Skaven still have their own interpretation. But what they're suggesting is that the horned god, which that's what they say, is that Clan Pestilence worships the horned god, not the horned rat. And the horned god is this exalted um demon of nurgle who is basically scarbrand like he's a pissed off demon of nurgle who wants yeah. to break out and go kill nurgle which like all right we've already done this um right so it's so, um, i i i i <laughs> go off, andy. To go off just, andy. Just, i find this sort of lore intervention particularly difficult to discuss without heading deep into rant territory um it's one of the reasons why when i was brought on to do the current edition for example i had to turn back a lot of the ideas that were thrown at me because people were desperate to make their mark to do a thing that redefined things now what this fucking does to put put my stress on it quite clearly 
is say that either A, the horned rat is a fucking idiot, and when the various folks who came up from Cam Pestilence touched it, he was like, yeah, you know what? I'm cool with you being a chaos worshipper. That's okay. That's cool with me. And you come there, Glitch. Or, and this is the worst part because there are many writers who believe this, the horned rat is Nurgle. And I cannot abide this. It makes the world smaller. It makes the world less interesting. It makes all of it all just chaos. Now, we all know that some writers write to that line, but that is not the uh, official public-facing line. The public-facing line is all these other gods are actual fucking gods. The elves have got their own gods. Humans have got their own gods. All the various species have got their own little gods doing their own little things. The Aether and all of the divine realms, the realm of chaos and everything beyond, is a super complicated big place. The horned rat has his own domain, the realm of ruin. It is over there. It is not the realm of Nurgle. It is something not just discreet. It's completely different and is marked as different in multiple publications. By adding this section in, they're saying, yeah, no, that's all wrong. For this to exist and be correct, the horned rat either has to be this or the horned rat is stupid and just allows <clears throat> most of its species, because you could argue up to half of the Skaven are somehow attached to some, in one way or another, clan pestilence. Half of his divine creatures are lost to another god. It does not work well with anything else. And that's just the tip of an iceberg. And I'm feeling an urge to stop before I go on another rant. So, don't worry. I'm going to set you off on another rant in a second. Bro, <laughs> 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 Ricky Scotty, uh, what if instead of the virulence of disease burning the warp stone and the plague sensors, it's instead much like a chemical reaction? Yeah. Is the warping will the horned rats ruins of disease destruction series of the warp stone? Yeah, th that would be a much more accurate portrayal. That and is, I think that's 100% accurate. Thanks, Ricky Scotty. That's that was very really, generous. Just a a uh, good hey. point, but that's super generous. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, um, and I agree completely. Uh, largely, it's them creating their burning sensors, and it is not necessarily through the concept of just flame alone, although the heat may be generated through the chemical reactions. We've got to remember the Skaven are much more capable than many uh, writers like to think of them. They are intelligent creatures, fiercely intelligent. And their intelligence... <laughs> And their intelligence is voraciously more capable than most of uh, the human intelligence they often compare it with. God, remember, most Skaven don't last beyond the age of 10. Most don't get past three. They are incredibly young creatures and they get everything that they need. They learn everything at a ridiculous pace. They master it, perfect it, and die. And that, I think, when you combine it with a character like Lord Skrulk, tells you just how much of a depth and breadth of knowledge that it has and what it can do with those. And I did use it for him because he's a little bit beyond a him, probably. <laughs> I don't think he would have any recognizable him parts anymore. Um, <laughs> Mitch, <laughs> who knows? You never can be certain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not go down that route too much. Eh? I, I am so tempted to say some things, but we're going to move on. Uh, Mitch, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad you could join us. So look, you uh, met you rock. Uh, count Sterling, can an ogre eat Skrulk and live? Probably not. The only no. ogre that I would say the only ogre that could do it would have to be an ogre that is very blessed by the great maw. Like there's yeah. a divine intervention protecting them from divine disease. 
yeah um it very likely does die of diseases before it even got inside his mouth um Skrulk is that bad Skrulk is one of those characters that makes a poor vehicle for most narratives because to bring Skrulk into the room is to kill your characters yeah i mean that's why i will say one of the best things about the thank and bone river trilogy if you've never read it for the love of god go read it it's so fucking hilarious it's a comedy Super that's fun. dark um, because there's always a human perspective which shows how horrifying everything that's happening is but it's also hilarious because the amount almost every single skaven special character shows up because the only characters that can tolerate them are other skaven special characters so you get to see them just fucking with each other and it's amazing they screw with each other so much anyway hammond it was zinch all along all our pawns are the great deceiver or is that odin from god of war <laughs> You know what? I don't think that's a bad comment for all often <laughs> your comments are ridiculous, Hammond, and that is in no way putting qualitative judgment on them. But I think in this particular case, Zinch wins. And that's oh, something yeah. you've got to try and remember. Zinch wins, which means that every species across the world done fucked up. And that includes the Skaven. So I think that there is definitely a certain level of the Chaos Gods have won and we should try to reflect that in the stories that we're telling with them. Unless, of course, you're playing in your own version of the fantasy roleplay world, like we currently are. And and to <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the Warhammer world might survive another what would be world-ending yeah, event like because of the... 200 years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, let's we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cole Patterson, what do you mean all the gods are Bellicor and Ladriel? Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that, that's all it really is. It's just Bellicor and Ladriel playing chess. Uh, but um um yeah so i wanted so just to be clear because sometimes when i say stuff like this or it gets brought up i'm sure there's someone that's like oh i'm sure he's exaggerating or whatever i'm gonna read a direct quote it's hmm. very it's just a paragraph very short i'm just gonna read a direct quote to kind of do the to introduce this i would like to say are you all ready for story time with the lore master of sotek yes i also want to say a i think there's a really easy way to salvage this story into something that fits and works really well which we're going to do and b this is not an attack on the author even though i think he fucked up with this particular story but hey it happens we're all human uh we're all, all human right. it happens yeah. so that's why you uh, have editors yeah so it says this uh uh, so, stories shared between the Plague Lords of Clan Pestilence say the following. When the final remaining Ratmen lurched into the caverns to regroup uh, beneath Ketza, so these are the first Skaven that came to Lustria, and they're just having a bad time. They're having a terrible time. Um, so, it's the final survivors of that first group. They instead encountered a horror in the depths beneath Ketza. Inside a previously undiscovered filth-ridden throne chamber rested a corpulent demon marked with the same weeping sores, foul stench, and bulbous lesions that mutilated their own bodies. It is said that the leader of these ratmen, desperate to save their vile hides, promised what remained of his clan to the demon and its master, who they proclaimed as the Horned One, and embraced the plagues that had so thoroughly decimated him and his kinsmen. In that day, those Skaven truly became Clan Pestilens, bringers of plague, disease, and filth. From that moment, Clan Pestilens gained strength in number and in power under supervision of their demonic master, and in exchange for secret knowledge of illness and disease, they redirected strands of the geomantic web below the ground into the demon's chamber, providing it with direct access to the energies of the old ones. What?! <laughs> Like, See, they're scaven. They would have backstabbed the shit out of this guy. 
yeah. Um, that, the they, Germans this have been was, loyal for no, 2,600 years? <laughs> no, they had persecuted it, torn it to shreds, got that demon begging for its existence, tearing it to shreds so that they themselves can survive rats eating rats upon rats. I could see that. I could see them using it and the demon then trying to use them in turn. That would make, I think, a more compelling story and a story that would match the moment. But just saying, you know what? Let's bow down to you. Fuck the horned rat. We're bowing down to you. This is great. Fuck that. Um, I, I don't like it. I think it is a poor example of how the setting could be represented. But in particular, it, in many respects, it weakens um, the whole concept of disease. And by that, I mean, um, we don't say that Ulrich is corn. We don't say that Cain is corn. Yeah, please, God, don't do that. There are people okay. that do it. Don't. And now there are writers who have tried, and that's why I was brought on to do the job with Warmer Fantasy Roleplay. It was when a writer came up to me and said, hey, that's just this, isn't it? To go, no, that's not Warhammer. Stop writing that. But I think it's cool. I, I Cool, use it in your own game. But that's not what Warhammer is about. And in respect here, you just have this moment where you look at it and you go, you've just ruined the Horned Rat. If this is true, the Horned Rat is either just Nurgle or the Horned Rat can't tell when half his species has gone and doesn't do anything. The Horned Rat literally threw down a giant pillar and said, this is the rules you abide by. Touch this and you're mine. No, no, because to this day, apparently, there's a Nurgle demon down there who says, hey, clan pestilence are just mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of it. Yeah, that's that's the thing, is that that little bit of lore writing feels so much like someone looked at the, kind of like how we talked about earlier with people asking questions about, you know, what's the relationship between Nurgle and clan pestilence, of seeing that surface level interaction and going, oh, well, these must be the same thing, and not looking yeah. at any of the broader context of it's, like, it's exactly that because like the whole concept which i find it weird that games workshop even approved this because it flies in the face of what they've done in age of sigmar where they've mm -hmm. drawn a huge difference in line between the great horned rat as the god of plague and nurgle as the god of disease and pestilence there is a distinct difference between them and they hate each other for it um, we're like Age of Sigmar. One of the coolest things uh, I know Andy might not necessarily be a fan of this, but the Great Horn Rat joined the Chaos Pantheon because Slanesh got kicked off uh, for a bit because he got captured, and everyone was like, "Oh shit!" Well, there's a fourth empty seat, and the Great Horn Rat was like, "Well, I'm here. I'll just inherit this seat. Not a big deal. I'll just mosey my ass up there." And like all the other gods hate him, and it's fucking hilarious. Like I love that they all hate him so much, and they begrudgingly have to deal with him. But his interactions with Nurgle are very well talked about of why they don't like each other. And this story just shits all over that. Like, it just no. messes it up because it's like, oh, well, they're no, they're the same thing. It's like, what? It's, it's, it, it for me is as close to a travesty in terms of a piece of writing as you can get because it's then juxtaposed against a whole bunch of other sections which is really nicely crafted and well thought out um and when you get that you're just left going yeah but do you realize what you've written do you realize with this cool little thing that you think you've done to squirrel away down there and go i've answered this you've actually completely undermined an entire species and faction 
in the Warhammer world by the implications of what you've done. And you've set it up in a way that is, if it's true, and it's written as if it is true, and it's not a, oh, and it might have been this, it might have been that. The fucking demon is there, and it's still doing the demon thing, and the yeah, people and are still talking to it. It's a God perspective. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Like it's, it's just, um, this is what happened. Uh, and that being the case, it's a complete mess up of the lore uh, in a way that just leaves me going, why would you do that? It could have been written in a hundred different ways that could have had, still had the same. But does that mean the horned rat is just Nurgle? Ooh, rather than just saying the horned rat is Nurgle or the horned rat's a complete idiot. Neither of which is at all acceptable as an outcome, I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mornington Crescent, uh, thank you for that. And you are not wrong. Like, who's to say Screech Vermin King wasn't around back then in some way, yeah. shape, or form? And but I think that are tricky motherfuckers. Yeah. And I think that's the sort of thing that most writers don't really comprehend because they don't know <laughs> the, gr the greater uh, depth of the Warhammer lore. What they know is the, the surface stuff that they themselves like and have engaged with, and they don't know the rest. So they just write a story around the bits they like, not realizing that they're perhaps making massive contradictions to the rest of the lore, or just missing out something that should happen. Like, if the Horned Rat is a real god, then the Horned Rat's minions, even before the Horned Rat even existed, would almost certainly be rising out and whispering to the early Skaven and giving them directions. There is a host of other ways to deal with a Nurgle demon in that area, which I'm cool with. I'm not just cool with it. It makes sense. I think it's yeah. awesome. Um, I, I don't in any way think having a big nasty Nurgle demon down there that's pissed off is a bad story. I think that's a great story. I just think saying that the horned rat is that demon or that somehow the horned rat doesn't know that Clan Pestilence has fallen is daft. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to come back to that after these super chats. Uh, Laughing God, the way I would use this is Skaven and the Great Horned Rat look at all the plague goodness and went, yeah, we'll be taking this and gave this demon the two finger salute. Yeah, essentially. Um, which, yeah. come back to that after this other super chat real quick from Laughing God again. Oh, this guy could be Skrog slash the clan rival. And every time he manifests, they, they feel the need to go put him down. So, what I was, yeah, going that on sort lines, of story. Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> what Andy said earlier, the idea that Clan Pestilence stole these secrets or brutally tortured them out of this demon. Like, they find this demon who has found a kind of clever way to keep himself trapped in reality. This demon does not like Nurgle, and maybe he knows if he goes back, it's not going to be good. Like, when Grandfather sees him, it's not going to be a happy reunion. And he is so desperate to stay in the mortal realm and the first Nurglitch sees this demon and go goes, oh, you don't want to die? Well, let's let's have a chat and just tortures him for decades, just slowly ripping out all these secrets in exchange for not finishing him off. And think of the actual uh, psychology behind that. We're dealing with the Skaven leader who's led their clan underneath the oceans, has arrived here, and they are dying in droves. And then they find out why. The influence of this demon has killed their people. This Nurglitch is not just going to be vengeful. He is going to be rage-filled. Because the diseases that they've, they've been exposed to is, is going to be their downfall. But can also be, well, useful. The Horned Rat, after all, needs to ruin. And what they've gone through has ruined them. And what? they've 
got a logical process here for the oh 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 it's such a perfect encapsulation of like what would make nerglitch so unique is that for most people if you found the horrible cause of the disease down the basement you'd go oh we're gonna burn this out with fire and kill it we may die but at least we've dealt with this but the skaven nerglitch looks at his clan and goes hmm this completely and utterly eradicated my clan and there was nothing we could do against it it was an invisible foe what a horrifying weapon I want this weapon. Yes. And he takes it. And the hound rat goes, you get it. You understand. Bring this comment up because I think it perfectly encapsulates the problem. How do you do it? And I think that is a fascinating question that doesn't necessarily require an answer. But the, the answer is that they succeeded. Yeah. That they did it. Skaven could figure that out. They're like, um, Skaven are sharp as fuck. If there's a way to do a thing, they'll find a way to do it. And yes, from the outside, we'd look on and say, well, that's precarious and stupid. Who the fuck would ever do that? Skaven are gamblers because their lives are already short anyway. In the same way the elves look at humans and see them as fast-living gamblers. You know what? It would fit so perfect with uh, Nurglitch's character too. Like, I know we're talking about Skrulk, but they're so intertwined. It would fit yeah. so well with Skrulk because it plays into his whole gamble of like when he went to the Council of 13 and was like, I have this disease. If you kill me, we all die. Of him mm-hmm. sitting there above this demon and saying, you're going to help me. And if you kill me, which you could, you've clearly demonstrated you could kill us with disease. But if you don't help me and I die, you die too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we've got a story there. And it's a story that's so close to the surface that it's almost hinted at. I, that's the biggest thing that I have issue with in terms of the Lustrian book presentation is that the story is almost cool. And I don't just mean cool as in it works with the setting. I mean, holy shit, this is a cool story. I like this. I'm actually quite engaged. And it was literally like five sentences away from being one of the best pieces of writing for the Skaven that had come out. But instead, it ended up landing flat in its face by effectively saying Skaven are stupid and they're just chaos worshippers. And that was, for me, a complete undermining of what the Skaven are. The Skaven just aren't that if they were... Oh, uh, oh, I feel the rant coming on again. Yeah, oh, it would have made it would have made for such a good exploration of what the relationship between the Skaven and the Greenhorn Red is. Yeah, like, have an opportunity for a Skaven that's not that was even though the Skaven aren't necessarily the best record keepers of legends being passed down from these plague lords of what it was like for Nurglitch to experience the Great Horned Rat's approval of discovering this new method of war of the great horned rat going yes i am going to use this as a weapon and you're going to write down all these secrets in these books so that i know them and i'm going to get stronger so Mm -hmm. i'm going to make you stronger because you're doing a good job and the libra bubonicus now makes sense because the demon tells them where it is they go running up north they capture it they take the libra bubonicus back they study the disease they understand that disease that's the very book that scroll yeah, he literally is still fucking them, carries that last first book. That's the one that scroll supposedly still carried, although it got turned into one of the many other books at a later date. It doesn't really matter. What matters is at heart, there's a beautiful story just on the tip of the tongue, but they bit it back. Yeah. So, but it does allow for some really interesting kind of mental exercises of that. I if like if I were running it. 
it does not take a lot of edits to make something really cool out of it. Other than make sure you edit the profiles as well, because unfortunately C7 does not know how to make good NPC profiles. If you fight um, this villain, uh, you will kill him hilariously fast. With a after doing this stream, it almost makes me want to do a Lord Scroll character because he would be horrendous. Imagine how powerful his stats would be in the hundreds. He'd be so old. Oh, for scroll? So, yeah. Uh, you, so, don't, so you don't want to use the provided one in the Lustrio book? I do not, because they would be beaten by an average three-month-old PC, which makes no sense at all. But Andy, he's got he's got a toughness of 75. And he's I've got, got a PC with a toughness of almost that. Wounds. Nah, my Skrulk would probably have a toughness of about four or five hundred or something. A he's proper old. wounds. How could they possibly? Is it all holy shit balls? <laughs> I have the doc Doctor Flaster. I don't know if anyone watches my campaign, but I've got a doctor, just a, a normal don't woman, Doctor Flaster. She's got over fifty wounds. That is yeah, ridiculous. She, she, she could beat Lord Skrulk in a fight, probably. That's actually <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> holy shit balls! I didn't realize that, having not read the stats. Man, yeah, I would probably have a very different version of Skrull. Half tempted to do it, but I don't want to challenge Cubicle 7's versions. Never really want to do that. They can do their own thing. I don't want to say, this is how it should be. Bollocks. Yeah, you could just do like a, this is the Lawhammer version. version. Of like, yeah, mm. like I don't think most people, like, because most people are probably just going to use the book version because it's right there. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Hammond, imagine saying installing to layer the same people or that Gelt could use priestless, priestly powers. Lol. I'm not entirely sure with that comment, but that was answering something we were discussing earlier, so I've actually lost track of what I'm... So I'll just say, yeah, sure! <laughs> <laughs> All right, look at the time. I think we're going to need to get to our questions. Um, uh, as uh, <clears throat> Sotek goes and runs off and takes a quick look at the questions, let me do a quick summary and say that Lord Skrulk is one of the most fascinating Skaven characters that has never been written. And by that, I mean so much awesome is wrapped up in what this character represents, but so very little of it has actually been expressed black and white in the text. What's actually happened is that he's been copy-pasted multiple times into different books, and then a couple of authors have tried to write him further without any real thought as to all the things that Skrulk might have done and what his character would thus be. I think through the course of this stream, we've had a good opportunity to examine some of the character traits that Skrulk might have doesn't necessarily have another writer might come along later and say actually scroll because this and that's cool that's one of the great joys of warhammer might i also conclude and say if you have not yet pressed like please do press like if you're on youtube do please, please subscribe as well we are currently on so text channels that means if you have not subscribed what are you even doing watching lore beards you're meant to subscribe <laughs> for goodness sake so go press that subscribe button so tech needs you it is your call to action and as is always sure. the case, next week, next week we will be on my channel. And that Randy's will be birthday. Next Sunday, uh, for my birthday stream channel. So that's gonna be fun. Um, where we are going to discuss, well, we'll find out. So tech and I'll discuss it afterwards. Um, and uh, I reserve the right after the vote to say, fuck you all for my birthday present. I'm doing the one I want to do. I like how Just that kind so we're of, aware of that. I like how that kind of implies you're giving them the option to vote, even though there's not really a vote. <laughs> You're just going to tease them with two options that aren't real. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, no, no. I think we put up three. It's just through the course of the vote, there's often lots of comments justifying why we should go one way or the other. And it often makes me go, I wish we were going the other okay, way. So, okay. So keep in mind, chat, it doesn't matter who wins the, the votes, it's who's leaves the most compelling comment. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what it's actually going to be. Bot on. Hey, so talk.
if Nagash can roll book a soul, I assume that you're talking about stealing souls. Why can't mm. a god steal a Nurgle demon as a personal servant, thus pushing his Chaos Realms claims? Uh, Great Horn Rap pushing power by stealing divine intervention schemes. Okay, so I'm assuming you're saying if Nagash could steal souls like he did for like Krell, um, couldn't could couldn't the Great Horn Rat do the same for this Nurgle demon? The answer is kind of yes. It's a long and complicated situation that I think would actually require its own stream so that we could dive into it. Given the hour, not the best time for us to do it. But I do think that there could potentially be something in that, but that's not what we have here. Yes, there there's a lot we could unpack with that question. Uh I the only thing I'll say is that it's it gets hairy when like Crow was a mortal who dedicated his soul to a god as opposed to like a demon which is literally a fragment of a god. Yeah. So it gets it gets hairy. Uh, it, it, it does and there's there's a lot of theological uh debate to be had in there as to what is exactly occurring. Hey Mandatis, great to see you again. Andy, what do you think of Total Wars Bellicor claiming Malleus is his because he named it? I have no idea. So I have literally not played right, that. Malice, so me. Age of Sigmar came up with the idea that the Warhammer world's name is Malice. So Bellicor is revealed in Total War to be like, I'm the one that called it Malice, therefore mine. I named it. Everyone uses my name. <laughs> Which gives some really weird ideas of who Bellicor might have been in life. Um, or mortal life if he got away with uh, naming a, the planet <laughs> but oh. well against that I think I could write that into a pretty damn fine story yeah but I, definitely something in that yeah but for, that doesn't necessarily make it the only thing I mean take for example the real world how many names does it have in how many different languages and what is its real name if we're speaking in English we generally say earth until we say Terra. so yeah there's it's yeah. a complicated big affair even when we're dealing with the real world and not a fantasy one yeah but yeah malice is the, the name games workshop came up with though technically it's weird because in age of sigmar it seems to refer more to the core of the planet not the whole planet but anyway we don't we don't have time for that um anyway so uh questions who is Scroke's biggest rival in Skavendom, and who is his big biggest rival outside Skavendom? uh his biggest rival in Skavendom, he doesn't have a ton of stories about him but he would be thankful by what uh, I, I'd have. say himself. Oh, that okay. That's a fair. That's a. I'd say fair answer that I could see someone being like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but 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 given his the nature of his characters, we've explored it through the course of this stream. If it is anywhere close to where we've landed, then it's a character who's riddled with a certain level of self doubt, which means his biggest enemy is himself. He could probably have been much more successful if he had been more scaveny, I suppose, and just mm -hmm. ridden out his errors. But instead of riding out his errors, he has dwelled and tried to better himself, which is not the scaven route towards success. Yep. Um, and uh, I will say that uh, Gracier's and Plague Priest's ugly relationship, and him and Thankwell mm -hmm. have fucking hysterical interactions, and uh, Skrulk is the only recurring villain. Uh, he's the villain in the first book, and he also is a recurring villain in the second book. So him and Thankwell kind of have a thing. Um, Thankwell, that'll do. Yeah, but uh, as far as outside of Skavendom, we don't... Uh, Tehenuin, I guess. Tehenuin, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose. But even then, not really. It's kind of like Skrulk inheriting war. it. As yeah, it really is. Like, he doesn't ass, even meet Tehenuin until the end times. If I was going to do anything, I'd, if you're wanting to do something like that, I would probably have had Mandred uh, Skaven Slayer be somehow wrapped up into that tale 
um, that would have been quite a fun yeah, or, way of or giving a representation do, of his failure. You could go with the Gracier that fucked up the Black Plague in the storyline. Yeah, that would, that would be a well. very good rival yeah. character. Yeah, that would be good. Especially because he doesn't die in the Black Plague series, so he could theoretically still be around. Yeah, that'd do pretty well, actually. Uh, let's see. Is Clan Pestilence being just? Nah, we already covered that. It's not. I. It, you could argue it's being deceived by Nurgle in the long play type scenario, yeah. just like how wizards are being deceived by Zinch. Um. So yes, but not in like a really, like, hardcore sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, basically, you're using chaos, so thus you are being inveigled by chaos. But that doesn't mean that it's necessarily tricking you. If you've got your eyes wide open, you're not being tricked. It's a use. Yeah. Uh, should Skrog's final end time showdown have been against Krokgar as written, or would Tehenwin have been uh, a bigger fight considering both are religious fanatics? Eh. Uh, the eh. end times were a mess. They were just trying to throw who they could in, and they still only got like less than half of all the characters we wanted. Uh, do I think it would have been more appropriate? I, I honestly no. I, I think a better final fight would have been Vermilanx versus Tehenwin. That especially if it was revealed he was the first Nurglich and he would show he's like, hey, rematch, I'm a demigod now what do you got that would have been interesting um i think crocker was fine i'd have probably had him facing off against nurgle demon you could also do that uh it, it that would have been, been really interesting that would have been super interesting and like yeah i, I would love to see how scroll could try and especially because skaven are such clever little shits i would have loved to see how nurgle or scroll would have tried to deal with that because hypothetically he could because nurgle Scroke mm -hmm. stops the cycle. He's just death. Yeah. There is no regrowth. It's just death. So he actually would make a very interesting opponent for a Nurgle entity. That would be quite um, fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Regen? Not in this house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. What's the silliest name for a disease Scroke has come up with? Oh, God. Uh, Skaven have a lot of stupid disease names. Um, Skaven have stupid names in general because they're all English. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, unfortunately, but there have been a couple of scaven plagues that have, a lot of the diseases... Basically, take a color and then add anything disease sounding after it. That's it. Yeah, that, that is... That yellow fever. Perfect. Yellow <laughs> yellow fever, red pox, black plague. Black plague. Uh, <laughs> that, that's pretty much a scaven naming device. Yeah, there's the 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 yellow. Oh God, there's there's another yellow one in the new Lustria book. That they it's always color color thing color thing it color is, thing. Totally is. Um. Anyway, uh, does Scroke like cheese or extra moldy cheese? Probably rotten, awful cheese because I don't think any food. Actually, I don't think Scroke eats. To be honest, uh, I think he just lives off of decay. Um. See, I don't know. Um, th th this is one of those questions like, where it's easy to lapse into he gets to it. Yeah, it's easy <laughs> to lapse into stereotype. But I think there's a certain part of him that may even regret not being able to eat the way he used to be able to eat because anything that comes close to him is going to degrade. It's going to rot. That is his palate. In many respects, that is his sacrifice for his service to his God. The fact that he can no longer eat food the way that everyone else can eat mm, food. Yeah. Um, cheeses are going to be, now, as ridiculous as it is, probably one of the better foods because they don't go off that quick. In fact, cheese doesn't really go off so the fact that it's coming in as it begins to pick up its molds it's still going to be there unlike beef a good slab of beef reaches him and it just rocks to nothing you know I'm so pretty cheese sure... cheese yeah. ridiculously enough is probably his favorite food i want to say yeah. there is a scene of scrolk eating in the first thankful mud river book where like there? there's he's eat, there's something like but like what he's eating is like fucking ridiculous because of his shenanigans mm. um but yeah something like that 
I also I also could love the idea of like him being one of the only Skaven that actually likes black grain, which for anyone that doesn't know, black grain is like one of the only things Skaven actually farm and grow around Skaven Blight. It's considered like holy and high prestige because it's grown in Skaven Blight. But every book that talks about black grain talks about how it sucks. Like Skaven hate how it tastes. It's awful. They only eat it for prestige. <laughs> which is- hey, Marcus9343. Thank you so much. Usually appreciated. Been really enjoying these. Finally managed to catch one live to donate. Looking forward to rewatching it later. Thanks so much for the. We may need bit. to do more. Like every once in a while, do an off day. Yeah, do a different time. Totally. For weeks because we seem to be getting a lot of first time watchers. Is that right, week. guy? Sorry to cut in during the QA time. Anytime. We really don't mind. Yeah, but but wanted to ask if y'all will ever do a part two to your end time discussion. We did discuss this and we will do it at some point, but not for a while yet. Next year. Because the end times make us furious. Yeah, next year. Because <laughs> knowing us, it's not going to be the final part. It's just part two. <laughs> so, Holy so, shit. Well, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, how <laughs> pestilent are the diseases of scroll? Does it by bypass disease immunity because it's magical in nature? And would you need magical resistance and disease resistance to get close to him? That's actually a really interesting question. Okay, so um, first things first, and to be as clear as we can, he has studied disease um, in its actual form, which is not necessarily magical. Let's start from that point, which mm. means that it is it is the actual true manifestation of diseases in their various forms. And it doesn't really matter if you have magical immunities in that case, you are going to fall to the disease. Now, would he also study magical diseases? And that, I think, is a fascinating question because it's an area that Warhammer has explained exceedingly poorly. And I do yeah. mean this quite bluntly. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely a thing that's sort of there, and there's some spells that act like diseases and then just switch off when they stop. But there's not really a disease that uses magic as part of its vector to get to other people, and that to me is ridiculous given the very nature of the jade wind and how it could be used as a vector for diseases. So, I think the answer would be. Yes, there is a host that he has managed to manipulate in one fashion or another, given the Skaven intellect combined with the Warhammer world's basic metaphysics, so to speak. That's definitely going to occur. Now, would magical resistance help? The answer is almost certainly no, because it's going to be using the magical channels of the people involved. So the more magical you are, sadly, the more likely you would be to contract it, meaning that uh, species like dwarves, would do relatively well, although magical resistance, so interesting combo, but because yeah. of the nature of their material bodies being quite different to say elves, who are often extremely magical resistant, but would probably fall like flies. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing. The Warhammer world has a very well-established concept that there are magically induced diseases because they always talk about Shalians being like, oh, we can cure all diseases, but this one's magical from Nurgle, mm. so we can't use mundane ways to treat it. Or like the dwarves, like Kugath Plaguefather hates them because they're resistant to his magical diseases. But it doesn't, they've never really done a great job of explaining what the fuck the difference between a magical disease is and a regular disease that is like induced by a magical entity. Um, it's it's it hairy. just be lazy writing um, yeah. because they haven't really thought out how it works. It's just they put the word magical in front of it and suddenly that means something else. Using it as a keyword rather than a descriptor that means something. Um, hey, the game doctor. Me refuses to acknowledge the end times. That's 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 often me. Also, me still aggressively blames Manfred and Techless for the end times shenanigans. 
Remember, yeah, I think re- hey, fair. if you're gonna blame anyone, blame Lilith. Okay. Oh it's, fuck off! I'm not even gonna hit fault. That's a different stream. Anyway, Go get us started. Oh. Um, so, uh, is there any disease out there that targets? Oh, okay. I love this question uh, from Ooh. Jiggy. Is there any disease out there that Skrulk might create, or another Nurgle character, where the disease is designed to route out other diseases? So, yeah. for instance, Skrull creating a disease that's designed to attack and kill Nurgle diseases. Yeah, I think that's exceedingly likely. And indeed, I think that is a route that I would have taken as an end time story. Um, how do the Skaven get through a particular period? Because clam pestilence makes them immune to the very diseases that are bringing down others. Um, strongly dialing down hard on each of the four chaos powers where they're at their best. Disease that goes wild for Nurgle, but doesn't kill. Um, it, it just it mutates and twists and does all manner of horrible things to you and gives you this horrible semblance of life as your body degrades. That's lovely. And then the Skaven come out largely immune to it because of the influences of Clan Pestilence. There would have been a really nice story in there somewhere that could have been plumbed through to how Skaven are not fucking Nurgle. Um, they are completely different. You know, a, a brain thought I have, if you wanted to have Skrulk as a character who's an, an, a major antagonist in your campaign, but he's also more dynamic, is if what if one of your PCs gets Nurgle's rot, Skrulk would probably be one of the only characters who would know how to cure it. Yeah, Because be he a could give you a disease like. that kills the rot, which would be mm. fucking fascinating. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's, like getting that's into a super it, fun. <laughs> that's the sort of shit you should be looking at trying to use the established world facts and going how do they collide and create new and interesting circumstances in this case nurgle creating this perversion of life and twisting you to demonhood balanced off with someone that understands disease to its very component details including all of the nurgle diseases what does this mean and then playing a story that answers that Skaven Sorcerer Science is so fucking awesome. Um, like, that is, like, one of their best things. Uh, okay, so... Um, does Skrulk scour the world for diseases like Kugath? Yes, uh, the Libra Bubonicus is all about recording information. So they're pretty big about finding new diseases where they can. Absolutely. Uh, how many minions does he have? A lot. So mm-hmm. so many. So many. Uh, yeah. There's even a fun note. One of my favorite th- notes in the Black Library book uh, is that even among the plague monks and uh, plague sensor bearers that serve Skrulk, he has to give them a uh like a um oh my god a uh what do you call it to protect against disease word uh injection i'm thing. inoculation what you look yeah, sure inoculation. Uh, vaccine? Uh, a vaccine? Yeah, vaccine thank you vaccine that's what i was going for <laughs> he gives uh the servants that are around him va- a vaccine that makes them able to not die just being in his presence because he's that bad <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but he's also that clever that he came up with the vaccine for it <laughs> Recommend it. Um, I have played campaign with Skaven more than once. It's a lot. Warhammer of fun. Fantasy Roleplay Second Edition Children of the Horn Rat has an excellent system for playing a Skaven campaign. It is hilarious. Um, yeah, good times. It heavily encourages treachery without flat out killing each other, and it's great. It's really funny. Um, the favor of the Horned Rat is one of the most hilarious rules I've ever read in a game. <laughs> um, how would scroll? Uh, okay, we've already answered that. Uh, let's see. Could Lord Scroll go against Nurgle Plague Brewers in a brewing contest and have a chance to win? Probably not against Kugath. Dr. Festus? I think he could handle Dr. Festus. It would be hard. Festus. Festus is young. Yeah, but he yeah. does have like the knowledge of all disease forcefully implanted into his head. Sure. So, like, he kind of young. But he's young. 
True. And there's a difference between experience and wisdom um, and and base just knowledge. He's got knowledge, but he doesn't have the experience to put it into practice. Um, it's uh, it's uh, I'll give an example that's completely out of line. Imagine you could be invisible all the time. Everyone would think you'd be super good at hiding, but you wouldn't. You'd be shit at hiding. You'd just be really good at standing in front of people being invisible. And somewhat similarly, he's no good at disease. He just has all disease in his head. He just creates a thing. He has no idea what to do with it. All he does is this the worst every single time. Doesn't mean he understands how it works. He's just got it. Skrolk has experienced centuries of it. He would be doing finely, carefully, and properly in a fashion that probably wouldn't be detected. Mm. On the other side, on the other side, it's just disease. <laughs> Honestly, when you really think about it, I think Dr. Festus would almost make a ironically uh, and like if it's his backstory he'd probably make a better doctor than a lot of people would expect than a disease creator <laughs> yeah uh, just because that's what he was really fucking good at mm -hmm. um, and like he would have been even better at it if he hadn't just fucking lost his marbles poor bastard his story is so good it's so sad but it's so good yeah i was um, weaving it into we were weaving that into fantasy roleplay actually we started right it is the, still there um they oh, have, glad to hear that they going. have leaned pretty heavy into it you don't have to use him but he definitely makes an appearance um mm. let's see uh if gelt if gelt died by scroll would andy be satisfied I'm, no because gelt would be dead and he deserves to suffer there you go uh, okay, we already answered that. <laughs> Would Skrulk have been worthy of becoming a vermin lord? I think so. Now, I think so. Yes, but would Skrulk think he's worthy? And I think the answer is no. I think if we were going to run with the cart we're building here, oh. Skrulk, Skrulk would need to win first. I Man. think, for example, if he had taken Lustria through disease and then exalted out of that, that would have been fucking amazing. Andy, what would then happen? you could have had a fight with him against Nurgle. Has there be ever amazing? been an exploration of what would happen to someone that was given ascension and felt they didn't deserve it? Like what that would do to them? Because I bet that would make a weird demon prince type character. It certainly would. And I think that's, I mean, when you're creating characters, rather than just lean into archetypes and stereotypes, it is often worth trying to build just better characters. And far too many of the ones in Warhammer are lacking the character yeah, in I... terms of the black and white surface details but often if you think there's a lot of it hiding beneath the surface man how, that could actually make a really fun antagonist would be like an imposter syndrome demon prince <laughs> yeah really... that would that'd be a lot of fun um too relatable and then, yeah too relatable uh if scroke was afflicted <laughs> by nurgle's rot would he be able to tank it yes i think he would absolutely because no it wouldn't surprise me significantly yeah he will have significantly studied nurgle's rot and used it to his own effect it wouldn't surprise me if they've got their own adaptations of the disease that they have been using to kill or otherwise impose their will upon others Ah, Servant of Sin asked a question that actually reminded me of a funny thing I was going to tell you. So in Total War, oh. they did something really silly with the Liberty Bubonicus, which was probably just due to an error in um, when they were putting in the game. And that Skrull has a voice line <laughs> whenever you're like interacting with him, where he'll be like, I'll write your name in the Liberty Bubonicus. They turned it into the Death Note. <laughs> where like, so if, if Skrull <laughs> writes your name okay. <laughs> in the Liberty Bubonicus, you get horribly diseased and died, which is so fucking funny to me, because it's like, I, I sure why not that. <laughs> that is good to me i didn't realize skulk was an anime character but apparently he is <laughs> he's got a death note <laughs> are plague spells unlawful for grace years no 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 uh, the spell plague have been converted um and not only that the plague spell um uh across various editions has been 
just coarse skaven magic. Um, rats come hand in hand with disease. The uh, plague priests do not have a monopoly on disease. Um, don't think of <laughs> yeah, it like that's that. A very... Disease is a core part of skaven society. It's just the plague priests go far further with it. Yeah, they they leaned into it super heavy. Yeah. I actually really okay. like that in Total War, the Gracers have a different version of the lore of plague than the uh, plague priests do because the plague priests have a unique spell called Pestilent Birth, where they like create a bunch of uh, plague monks and shit. Whereas the uh, Grace, the Gracers have Dreaded Thirteenth, um, which is it, it's a nice it's 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 a nice little thing. Um. But yes, as far as the lore goes, to my knowledge, there's never been anything about writing somebody's name into a liver bubonicus and it kills them. That is never what it's been used for, but I find it fucking hilarious. And why not? Uh, how did Skrull get to Lustria? Trick question. He flew. Ugh. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Who wrote that? They deserve a fucking uh, medal. Sanguinius the Brave. Uh, or Sanguinius, sorry, that was a brave sorry, choice. It's rowdy wrote that Rowdy, uh, okay. Rowdy, that was a very very good one and if your question was legitimate he walked like skaven do everywhere they walked uh, through the tunnels oh my hey, god Mandatis. um slushy demon prince and excess the unworthy untyrant of guilt could make for a really fun character i think I'll there's be... definitely something in that it is an obvious slanesh choice um yeah, there's definitely yeah I yeah. would go either slash or Nurgle for that with Nurgle being like the Nurgle would suit really aspect. well but like an actual despairing demon prince. Oh, I should get a good corn one as well. Oh, I've got Ooh, a good corn yeah, one in true. my mind. Yeah. Man, you okay, wait, this is slightly anyway, beside yeah, the point. Not. Carry on. Uh, who's the most untrustworthy Skaven? Hilariously, I would say probably either Queek Headtaker or Tretch Craven Tail. Fucking hell, they're all as bad as each other. Yeah, they're all awful. They're all awful. <laughs> but like, terrible. Queek is fucking bonkers. So, like, you never know what he's going to do. But Tretch is hilarious. Like, I love it. a little bit like saying, What human's got the most skin? I mean, we've all got skin, but which one's the skinniest skin? Wait, yeah. what? They're scathing. They're treacherous. What's the great necro player 97? Oh, yeah. uh, do you think we can make a tier of bad Warhammer story slash Rush? I, maybe. I, someone, Maybe I a part of me would feel bad for doing that because I don't I, want to I just like, don't like it. I don't, I don't like I don't want to put a part of other people's blast. work. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. So um, we, we all make mistakes, we all do things that are perhaps not best. I've written things that I look back on and say, oh, I wish I'd done that a bit differently. Now, that that happens. Say, but could we do a tier list for what tier we think every character from like the Total War Legendary Lore is like how good their stories are? In a tier list that we could do maybe we could do that for the end of the year or new year or something that, that could, be, could be that could be a lot of fun yeah. like we, we would have a lot of really interesting arguments over <laughs> what tier certain <laughs> characters would go in uh yeah that could be fun uh, well yeah we'll see about maybe that's s tier god damn it yeah. s for scroll as for scroll i i would put scroll guest here even though a lot of it is a <laughs> dude you're gonna put everyone that's a lizard man s tier and post no, it because then no, I... you <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, I do recall an old one that you particularly like. Was it Krem? Uh, Krem? Nah, that's S tier, right? Oh, get, shut the fuck up, Andy. <laughs> Tell me a second. Tell me a second. How dare you equate you to the old ones? How fucking dare you? Fucking Norskin frog poser. Anyway, um, what is the greatest plague Skrulk has ever made? Uh, according to our philosophy, yeah, we, we think the Black Death or the Black Plague. Um, it's not. Yeah. Scroke is never personally credited explicitly. 
Um, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he created the Black Plague, in which case that would be it. Yeah, uh, I would agree. And I would suggest that if we're in a position where we could just sit down and write the lore, that would be one of Skrull's greatest successes that he was robbed of. And I think that making that a core component of his character is a good choice. Yeah, come on, GW. He should, he'll be around, he'll be in the old world if they, when they add Scape, yeah. to bring him back. Totally. So I would love for that to him to get updated stories. Um, who, if anyone could endure Skrull at his peak? Uh, other big disease characters would have a pretty good chance. Uh, Tehanuin is very resistant to disease in particular. Like Tehanuin is designed to deal with their shenanigans. So Tehanuin would, would be a problem. Um, in our vision of the end times, would clan peasants be forced to work with Nurgle to make the ultimate plague or be doing their own little thing in Lustria? Uh, I would have them start working with Nurgle and then backstab the fuck out of them because Skaven. Yeah, there's, there, yeah, there's, there's a story there that you need to tell and I don't think they've told one. They, there's clearly connections between the two that need to be explored, but they also need to be examined so you can see where the differences lie. And that is something that just didn't happen. And that's a shame. Yeah, and the Lustria storyline... I was fine with it. There should have been more baddies in Lustria than just Clan Pestilence. There should have been demons and the vampire coast. Where's the fucking chaos? Yeah, like, where's chaos? Where are the dark elves? Where's the vampire coast? Like, all those guys should have been going nuts. Yeah. Um, there should have been a lot of shenanigans happening. Like, it should have yeah. been Nurgle and Pestilence in Lustria. That could have been cool. That um, would have been a better choice. Yeah, anyway, uh, do I think... Uh, uh, okay, we're almost done. We only got like a couple left. Um, if Skrulk ate a Nurgling, how would it affect him? Funny enough, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Um, they are demons, so it's not right, like thing Demons I... aren't good eating because they don't... Yeah. Like, when they die, they just kind of... Bleh. They, yeah, they well... Depending the, the, it's, sometimes. it's a complicated thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and there are many ways around the bleh, for example. But ultimately, I think he wouldn't because it would be foolish. But I do think that a Nurgle demon would survive in his presence. Um, why would you do it? What would be the point? That's now, the big question. Would would a fellow plague lord trying to prove a point and being an idiot eat a Nurgling? Yes, and probably yeah, okay. die from it. <laughs> on steel, not very knowledgeable here. Don't worry about it. That's what we're here for. But have Skaven always been around, or did they come into existence after the old ones left? They Don't. have not always been around. Yeah, they're actually um, relatively recent. Go watch our yeah, Mermidia really stream. Mermidia our Mermidia stream, stream we dive into quite a lot. Sotek does a, a pretty big summary of the Skaven creation. It happened about 3,600 years ago um, in terms of the end of the world, 3,600 years before that. Approximately, I might have my years off by like 100 or so. Um, but they're a new creation, and they spread quickly very quickly within about a few hundred years they were in most parts of the world yep like rats yeah, um like rats. <clears throat> let's see if scroke unleashed one of his plagues on the realm of nurgle would it have a noticeable impact yes because it would gen i think it would genuinely be killing the garden and nurgle would be super fucking upset um, yeah, there, there is a difference between um, Skrulk's diseases and indeed the Horns Rat diseases and Nurgle's diseases. They are not expressing in the same way. But um, when you're dealing with the realm of chaos, it would be pretty much impossible. Um, it just wouldn't work because it is almost the concept of disease in that form. And to impinge upon it means that Nurgle himself would be losing a battle with the Horned Rat. And I don't just mean a simple battle on a battlefield. I would mean the Horned Rat is rising in ascendancy above Nurgle. And the chances of that happening within the Warhammer world 
are next to zero. Yeah, um, and, but as a concept, definitely it would be yeah. bad news. In Age of Sigmar, that I would not be shocked if that ends up being a storyline. Um, actually, it worked for very Skaven. well. For Age of Sigmar. Uh, if you if you like Skaven and you're like you like what you're hearing. It's a really good time to keep your eyes on Age of Sigmar because going into fourth edition, we just got the very last book for third edition. Fourth comes edition out. already. Holy shit. Ah, yeah, I know. Time's going. Uh, yeah. But fourth edition is coming up uh, sometime in the new year, probably in the spring. And uh, it is very pretty much seems to be that the Skaven are going to be the main antagonist of fourth edition. So the Great Horn, the Skaven are, they've been building up to a civil war. So likely their civil war is going to kick off and it's going to lead to the horn rat doing something, which I'm really fucking excited to see because they haven't done a lot in the last edition or so. Uh, anyway, uh, some birthday questions. Scroll got to me before the stream. 23 winters. Well, happy birthday. Grumbridal. Um, happy birthday. 23. A little babby. Uh, <laughs> 23. I remember 23. D do you? <laughs> Oh, dude! Oh, that—that that was like right in my heart. That's what oh. you get from being a criminal. That's what you get. Oh, yeah, no, I deserve it. Crap, Has Scroll given some diseases to dwarf holds? I would be shocked if he hasn't. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, uh, dwarves are far from immune to disease. Um, they're tough, obviously, but they're as susceptible as any species to particular types of disease. Yeah, I would hey, laughing God. Oh, uh, as a last little thought on that, I would yeah. actually say Skrulk's diseases would be the most effective against dwarves because he would have a much better understanding of the material world than Nurgle agree. demons tend to. Yep, I completely agree. In relation to your idea of Skaven torturing a demon, are there any weapons in fantasy that permakill demons like in 40k? I am drawing a blank. Yeah! Yep. I mean, the code is often God Killer! Um, that's often the code used for things that can kill etheric entities. I'll give you three up, top of, three up, or yeah, oh, for your three. Top of my head, Sword of Cain, obviously. That's the one. Um, the Destroyer of Eternities from the Tomb Kings. Two. Can destroy immortal souls and gods. And then the Blade of Realities from the Lizardmen, which is a really freaky weapon because it destroys you on all planes of reality simultaneously, somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, the classic um, Blade of Realities. There's also a manner of ones hidden away in roleplay books, like, say, for example, the Grieve. The Grieve is a dagger that was supposedly used by Cain to kill more and send him permanently into the afterlife. Mm -hmm. um, so there are all manner of things that can make significant differences to etheric entities. So the answer is yes. Yeah, some people would argue the Fellblade. Um, it has Fel a, like, it, it's flat out word. stated if Nagash's hand had not gotten away, the Fellblade would have killed him. And that's yeah. pretty impressive. <laughs> um, um, although I'd, I'd argue possibly the Fellblade is designed to kill material creatures. That's fair. Um, yeah. Rather than immaterial. But let's be honest, it's fucking rough. Strength 10 doing D6 wounds in its first iteration. Yeah, it it's nasty. Bonkers. Yeah, I think in its later ones, it doesn't even roll to wound. It just, like, it just deals mortals. It's awful. Yeah, it's just, um, just nasty weapon. Uh, let's see. Why have Clan Pestilence started most of the Civil Wars in Skaven? Because they were powerful and they knew it. And also, we've got to, um, when it comes to war, there's generally um, some form of resource at hand. And resources are complicated. They're not just oil. <laughs> um, resources can be just down to basic thought. Um, people believing in your way of life or not believing in your way of life. They might, for example, have a religious imperative to uh, have the horned rat be approached in the way that they believe it should be approached. Skaven also, they work off of warfare. Um, there's a great deal of advantage to be gained through conflict. And they are power-hungry little bastards. So, 
loosely speaking, it's no great surprise. They were powerful. They could rise to ascendancy and they could bring everyone else underneath their heel. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the Skaven as a race are always in civil war. The yeah. two great civil wars were basically just, it was so bad that the Council of 13 just kind of like ceased to exist because the Council itself broke apart and the Skaven were in complete madness. Um, yeah, and it's actually fair to say that civil war is the Skaven's natural state of existence. Yeah. It's only I, when they're, it's only when they are driven not to that they don't. War is their preferred state fighting each other for resources at all times this is a joke question but i just want to answer it because it makes me laugh according to the text on the blade yes <laughs> if 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 you got stabbed by the blade of realities yeah. and you had a 40k version technically it should kill you in both yeah absolutely <laughs> all realities that it kills you um, and i have no particular issue with warhammer and 40k existing within the same metaphysical reality so to speak um and in that case yes that would kill them in all in all forms and the same could happen to say Bellicor, who is also kicked around in multiple places. Yeah, he's too busy getting killed by rocks from Tic Tac Toe. <laughs> it's one of my favorite white dwarfs ever. Uh, should should Skrulk fall into the ocean? How much of ocean life would perish? Uh, well, the ocean's pretty fucking big, so honestly, in the grand scheme, yeah. thing, a lot. <laughs> he would just drown. <laughs> yeah, and the, the thing about the ocean is it's fucking huge, and uh, drowned rat might drown, but in this game probably wouldn't drown. They, they're pretty good swimmers uh yeah it's one of those things it's kind of the hilarious thing that no matter how powerful a character is there are some things that just kind of like they're still a character you know the ocean yeah. the most powerful greater demon if you throw him to the bottom of the ocean he's still gonna die <laughs> more than likely um which yeah. is fun like you know it keeps things interesting that like, there's no such thing as an invincible entity not really yeah, agreed uh, let's see. What would happen if the yellow skull fever had been used? Uh, how better would the car? Uh, so I'm. I want to say yellow skull fever is from the new Lustria bug. I couldn't forget. Yeah. Yeah. It. Eh, you know, it's like any other kind of diseases. Um, like it's nasty. It has some cool effects. Um, but like especially when it comes to like dwarfs, they are surprisingly good at dealing with things that you would think would just destroy them. And how could they possibly answer to it? They're inventive cleverly so and then they'd find a way yeah as ridiculous as this is going to sound to say it would be as effective as the writer at hand decided that it was effective it could have been a drop in the water or an answer, Andy. Um, and, and i know that sounds silly um but uh when it comes to diseases most writers aren't really aware of how they work at all it's just i'm going to give it a funny name and i'm going to say it kills lots and lots and lots of people um so it's very difficult to then say how effective that's going to be in the real warhammer world because it will you mean writers aren't plot. experts on every subject they write about what <laughs> no, they don't they when it comes to things like diseases they really even bother doing their due diligence and checking how diseases work because why bother yeah. i mean it makes your arms swell up and your head your face go purple how I don't know. It's my fucking disease I just made it's up. Brain fever. Leave me alone, <laughs> doctor. Exactly. Leave me alone. Um, but uh, it, it's it's pretty much par for the course for that sort of thing. Are there any good Skaven novels out there? Yes. Uh, the Thing Called Bone Ripper trilogy is fucking amazing. The Black the Black Plague trilogy is quite fun. Very very good read. Um, the Queek Headtaker novel is great. Um, <laughs> Age of Sigmar has quite a few good books about Skaven, not as many as you might expect. They they actually have much less AOS stuff than fantasy stuff so far. 
Um, they got a lot of first edition stuff, but they haven't. I since have then. recall Head Taker being pretty decent. Head Taker um, is super fun. Like yeah, it is very well written. Ages since I read any of them, though. It's one of those Black Library books that perfectly adds to the canon without mm. adding anything that screws anything else up. Like it felt researched. David Geimer did a really good job. Yeah, um, I, I love his uh, uh, Queek Head Taker book because like it gives Queek stuff to do and it develops his character without making him stupid. I have to remember him chatting away to his. Oh yeah, he talks to his heads. It yeah. opens so many questions about what the fuck Queeks like is, and, mm. which is great. That's what the book should do. It doesn't tell you like, oh, are the heads real? Like they, might, we don't have time for this. We'll come back. Yeah, you're right. We hey, don't remember. River five k subs on Andy. I'll do a whole lure video. I'm working. We're only about a thousand one hundred subs away from that. So yeah, I need go yeah. over to Lawhammer and click, click subscribe over in Lawhammer's YouTube channel. Yeah, Thank there's. You, Hello, I don't know what's happened, so I'm here just to spread rage. The gaggle of best <laughs> characters are Kabanda, Krimlo, Gelt, and Curious Geezer. Well, he's just trying to make us mad. I actually feel sick. He's, oh, he's just, he's just how trying... could you? I'm bringing your coming away, Kabanda. Oh, no. He just wants to make <laughs> us mad so you can feed off Appreciated. it. Appreciated. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Um, all right. Uh, last four questions, I think. Five or so. Uh, why? Okay. Oh, no. We already answered that one. Um, Excellent. That was easy. Uh, Oh, more oh, questions like that. Uh, are pestilent rat ogres common, similar to Skrulk's rat ogres, Nox and Pox from the Thankful story? Um, in the lore, yes, they would be reasonably common. Um, in the battle game, they're not for dumb reasons. Um, they just wanted it to be Clan Mulder's thing, so they don't do it. But the, the Lustria right. book actually gives you plague rat ogre rules. But yeah, they would be all over the place. Like, there's no way Clan Pestilence would not be buying rat ogres and giving them diseases to make them nasty. Yeah, that, all of that. Uh, just like it wouldn't be unusual to see like clan pestilence like buying war machines from clan scryer and maybe kind of fuck with them a little bit and all that other stuff like they would mess if you're if you're playing a role play scenario you, the battle game standardizes things because there has to be a limit when yeah. you're looking at the lord that's it's supposed to work like reality would so there would be way tons of exceptions and crazy things it's, it's a little bit like saying you know hey i'm british so i'm not allowed to buy a chinese phone yeah uh, how did Skrulk end up with the liver bubonicus? Uh, probably when he took the role, we don't know, but probably when he took the role as plague lord, especially when he ascended to being the greatest of the plague lords. Yeah, I think that's the only answer we can say with anything close to a definitive. Yeah, I would actually be kind of shocked if because there's only seven plague lords, like that's it, there's yeah. only seven. I would be kind of shocked if each of them does not have at least a volume of the liver bubonicus with them. Yeah, so my my personal preference would be something along the lines of um, uh, he proselytizes himself before um, the first Nurglitch, elevated, kicks about, learns lots of stuff, eventually elevated up to the point um, that is given said book. And the book that he's carrying is the one that was originally stolen from the unspecified Nurgle cultist by presumably Nurglitch in the first place. Um, that for me would work really nicely and would give him a special position, would mark him out as somewhat separate. To it would also make that Liberty Bonicus so special to him because it was a yeah. gift from the first Nurglitch, which would be huge. And I think I mean, that it's would literally be literally the guy he tore his eye outs for. That would be, yeah, like, totally. Just, oh my god. That just gives yeah. them a really lovely little story. And I think that's really nice. And also to a degree, if we say, for example, it was Nurglitch that was um, 
taking the knowledge of disease from said demon and utilizing it on behalf of the horned rat, it would make more sense why there's sevens everywhere. It's literally nothing to do with Nurgle. It's to do with the association that number has with disease and promoting the best out of it with um, the knowledge that they had. The sevens would make more sense. Yeah, that, well, and that would do a better job of explaining why the gods even have numbers is because it's not about the god. It's about the subject matter. Uh, yeah, where disease absolutely. is seven, uh, blood and war and all that craziness is eight. Mm -hmm. Um, magic is nine, not because it's necessarily zinch, that's just magic, yeah. And by doing that and making it that, also, Man, that makes the world building so much better. It, it doesn't, it makes it more fun too, because it means if you use it, you're using chaos to a degree, and mm -hmm. that is fun uh, because you've got that classic, oh, do I want to? But it will bring benefit, but that benefit potentially comes at a cost. Yep, like, oh man, I need to do this awesome ritual to save our city. If we use the number nine, we know it's going to probably be more powerful, successful, but, <laughs> but it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, but oh yeah, there choices, might be an asterisk. <laughs> choices is what make things fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, can Skrok actually perceive things through his, oh, through his Warpstone eye? So in the, I think it's in the, mm, I don't remember if it's the first or second thing we'll book. There's a moment, there's a, there's a part where Skrok gets Warpstone put into his eye sockets. I can't remember why he does it. He doesn't I need them to see. Um, he does not he need them to see. Again. Um, but, um, yeah, he sees the world in shades of purple and green, according to a couple of the sources that they copy pasted over from the first description. Um, and they kind of ditch that in later ones and just see the, he just sees through his very shades of disease. Not yeah, indeed. Shades of disease. Um, but really, uh, no need for any warp stone to allow yeah, him to I, see. I can't remember why he has those in the book. I can't remember if the author goofed and thought that he needs them, but most iterations of scroll, his eye sockets are empty. And they just weep like green, nasty pus stuff. But they're they're empty. He doesn't have warpstone eyes in the vast majority. Uh, I would say ninety nine point nine 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 percent of his iterations. Yeah. Uh, would Skrog like to be a pet? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm gonna guess no. Would Andy? Would you or Andy rather a clip Skrog's toenails or b squeeze one pustule? Uh, yeah, I'll take the nails. Thanks. <laughs> I'm gonna die, but I yeah no, I'm not squeezing. No. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the last question from brady which is a total war question if scroll got brewing mechanic plague brewing mechanics in total war which he fucking better when they do the next skaven update um what would be some must-have effects i'm not too worried about the effects other than, you know you want your attrition damage and like if it, a skaven unit get it it's a buff but if it's on an enemy unit it's a debuff like kind of the classic stuff that nurgle does but for me, I would want him to have certain famous diseases as like the recipe diseases, where if you put the right ingredients together, you get the black plague or the red yeah. pox or yellow eye fever. Fun. You know, you get the Skaven ones instead of the Nurgle ones. Like, yeah. Skrull probably shouldn't have access to Nurgle's rot. He should get the black plague instead um, yeah. or 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 the yellow eye fever or whatever. You know, those really famous Skaven specific ones. Is math really just the chaos gods? You're not yes actually okay, so, <laughs> yes um and by that i mean that the chaos gods and the gods and the, everything that is a reflection over in the aether is nothing more than conceptual stuff emotions made manifest so to speak and in that regard math is just a part of the uh construction of the universe so the answer is yes the gods are a fundamental part of that 
Yep. Um, so yes, there's a horrible chaos god of math who delights in your <laughs> suffering whenever you're doing it. Um, all right, <laughs> that's it. Uh, so that's always super questions. fun. Yeah, we are out of time. Uh, we somehow made it like we always do. <laughs> yeah, we did. And there were things that we kind of had to skip that were not related to stroke, uh, of course. But there were there were a couple subject matters people brought up that are really really interesting that we may have to think about and do with future stuff. So yeah. Thank you all very much for being here. We really appreciate everyone showing up on kind of an off day. Uh, I was not expecting as many people to show up. Uh, so it was nice to get a huge crowd. You all uh, rock. We love your faces very, very much. Uh, mm -hmm. Hope you're staying safe for the holidays and all the craziness going into December. Uh, just for a quick reminder to please like the, the stream. It helps promote it to other places on YouTube. Subscribe. Check out Lawhammer. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and it's long, but it's really, really worth it, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's plenty of hours of content. And uh, also check out Rookery Publications. Do you know who your guest is this week? Are you? I have no idea. Right. Andy um, likes to pretend he's involved with the show, but I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I could find out. Um, uh, let me go check out Rookery Publications. They have a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, there's a lot of really insightful stuff for world building, writing in general, role playing storytelling it's an excellent excellent show every friday no saturday every saturday mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, every Long saturday 7 p.m yeah you and if you're a patron sometimes uh even more recently as the days have been going actually they've been doing special bonus streams where you get to interact with people like andy law or mm -hmm. the other andy uh because there's so many andys and yeah. uh get to have like genuinely awesome insightful conversations which i missed the last two which is really upsetting to me but unfortunately i was busy so that is it Please go check yes, out all no. those things. Thank you for watching. Um, and I would just like to end on my one as well, which is, for fuck's sake, if you haven't done it already, just press subscribe on Loremaster Sotek's channel. And I know that he's just said that multiple times, but really, so many of you don't. I know for a fact that we have had thousands of views that aren't repeat views. And of those thousands of views, many of you are not subscribers. I take that as a personal affront. That, <laughs> my friends, that my you friend, heard Andy's feeling you, put you on almost the same level as guilt. Oh, how could you do that to Sotek to me? That <laughs> that is that is a creme rule, creme low like action. So on that one, I would like to say thanks everyone. You absolutely did rock. One last question for you. you next. Oh yes, because when Callaghan. Um yeah. So at the moment, my entire room's getting gutted out. Um so nothing is connected up and it's all going. Um I'm not be determined. Sure. Um, <laughs> If I can't get it sorted in the next week or so, I'm just going to recite my computer in another room while I wait for them to redo my ceiling. It's a real pain in the arse because I'm really keen to get diving into shit and I'm just sort of hanging around not doing the stuff I want to do. Um, so very, very soon. Bye-bye. I've -bye. forgotten <laughs> what I was going to end on there. So whatever. <laughs> Subscribe and shit. Bye -bye. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you all later. Bye-bye. Yeah, right. Oh, yes. I do remember Sunday, 7 p.m. No, 4 p.m. UK. Yeah. Uh, what time's that for you? Uh, 10 a.m. CSE. 10, 10 a.m. CSE. Normal, normal time. Normal time. Normal time next Sunday. It'll be my birthday stream. I'm going to throw up topics. I'll probably let you choose one of them. Um, until then, <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye. <laughs>